Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel, where every Friday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as a ship Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films, albums, and shorts that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Geeks. Geeks. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show. Every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror retrospective franchise. Right now we're dealing with all of the Scream movies. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me throughout, Alexander Chad. Hello, Sydney. And Christina Masterson. Who is this? <laughs> that was yes, good, guys. That was so good. <laughs> Scream 5, the cast has been hired. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like I said, joining me throughout Alexander Chard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Here we are, guys. We're already at the end. Again. I've done two <laughs> short retrospectives in a row with The Purge and Scream. I tell you what, I've had a lot more fun time doing Scream than I have doing The Purge. But fucking hell, they, they really go quick when there's just four films. Uh, Scream 4 or S-C-R-E-4-M, if you're doing the, how they wanted you to say it. Which I don't know how you even say that. Screw Wait, form. say it again. They put S- the four where the A is. Right. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You know, 2011. <laughs> oh, my God, 2011. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Yeah, we're going to get to 2011 for sure. Uh, 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Again, we're going to compare all of those scores with the Rotten Tomato scores as well, or Tomato scores, if you're English, when we get to uh, next week's wrap-up episode. Uh, if you're new to us, so hello and welcome. Please head on over to weirdgeeks.com, weirdgeeks.com, where you can subscribe. Oh, actually, no, you can't subscribe, but you can patch on out to all of our content. And then please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. We do all this for free. No ads, no sponsorship, no Patreons. Um, so thank you. We appreciate it. All right, guys, let's look at 2011 then, because it wasn't that long ago. What was it, seven years ago? We are in 2018 when we recorded this? Yeah, but it, doesn't it feel like it's so dated? It, yeah. Well... I mean, the film or 2011 as a year? <laughs> the film. Well, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. They have a reason for that. If I recall, oh. 2011 was the year that you and I met, Al. <laughs> it was. Yep. Yep. I have a calendar just for that. <laughs> <laughs> but we did not go and see Scream 4 together. I went no, to we see didn't. it. I was very, very, very excited. I have to say, incredibly excited. Well, see, I said to you guys before, I was obsessed with 90s slasher films. I'm one of those rare people. I feel people either like those or they like the 80s stuff. I love the 80s stuff and it's sort of schlocky nastiness. But I also really love the clean, you know, this is like what I could watch before I go to bed. This is like watching Friends before I go to bed, you know, it's just fun. Friends clean. death. <laughs> it is. And honestly, I, I, there was a long period of time where I just watched 90 slasher movies and then the early 2000 slasher movies before I went to sleep every night. So I was so excited to see, you know, one of the proper ones come back and not only come back, but it had, you know, the same writer, same director, same DP, same uh, musician doing the score. 
and a whole bunch of the same cast, I was really, 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 really excited. I did not feel the same excitement around me in the world. People didn't seem that amped (laughs) for Scream 4. Did you guys even know this was coming out? Did you go and see it? What's what's the deal? I had no idea. I never saw it. That's all. (laughs) Did you know this was made until we did this podcast? You didn't even know it was a Scream 4? No. No. Wow. Okay. Okay. They really did their job then. (laughs) (laughs) Alex? Yeah, no, I knew it was coming out. Um, I remember reading a bit about it, but I didn't... um... Yeah, I guess I was in that bracket that wasn't super pumped, like as 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 you s- seem to have been. <laughs> <I'm> so excited! <laughs> but to be fair, you guys hadn't seen. I mean, you found out, Alex, on this retrospective, you hadn't seen part three before, so you're That's not right. really going to be that excited for part four, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I was like, I was right at the tail end of watching these movies again and again and again and again in this period. Like that's about a point where I sort of stopped, and I was so excited to get to go into cinema and see a slasher film, you know, with a budget and a cinema again. Mm-hmm. Cause this did have a good budget, $40 million. $40 million. Buckaroonies. A lot of money. Worldwide, it grossed under $100 million. So, I mean, it was still Ooh. almost double, but not a patch on what the old ones were doing at all. Um, didn't Ooh. do great or didn't perform how they expected it to. And we'll get into that at the end of this and then next episode, what that meant then for the rest of the series. Cause this was planned as a new trilogy, but yeah. Let's get to that in a second. Let's look at 2011 then, you guys. Christina, what's you the landscape? The worldwide. Landscape. Okay, guys. Just to, you know, fill you in, we got number 10 at a. We got a Cars 2 at number 10. Cars 2. I'll just put that to the Animation be thing. Yeah. Again, we say this a lot, but that the, the Cars movies, their merchandise makes more money than Star Wars merchandise. Really? Doesn't really? Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh! I had no idea. George <laughs> Lucas would be turning in his grave. <laughs> All he had to do was put googly eyes on some vehicles. <laughs> he would have made more money. <laughs> wow. Okay. So number nine, we have the Smurfs. Smurfs. Mm. Oh Two my god! Animated gosh. movies in our top ten worldwide box office already. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible year! Wow. <laughs> number eight, we got The Hangover Part Two. Is only on Part Two by then? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't Rem- feel like it was that old. Remember when that was a thing? The hangover? Yeah. They should have totally. stopped after the first one. We didn't need they should have. two more of those films. Yeah, I mean, for what it was, the first one was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Don't need more. Yeah. I was excited about the second one, but whatever. <laughs> Number seven, we have Fast Five. Ooh. There we go. Fast and Furious had got back into a stride with number four. And this was where it was really starting to make the big money. Ah, wow. Actually, it was around this time this year, and I think leading up to the release of Fast Five, that uh, my friend Felix and I would get together and watch each Fast and the Furious film and get drunk oh, and sometimes a little bit I was going to say, stunned. where is this going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just make each other laugh by quoting Vin Diesel lines. It was good. Fantastic. Good Fantastic. You had a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Funnily enough, I still do that. I'm doing that. It's what I'm doing with you guys right now. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Number six, we have another animation movie, Kung Fu Panda 2. All the sequels, all the CGI. I'm very yeah. surprised that both the Smurfs and Kung Fu Panda made more money than Cars 2. That's it's like such a boring year. Yeah, but again, I guess this is worldwide. I bet in America that Cars 2 beat both of these out. But 
Cars 2 in America was number eight. Okay. Okay, okay. so number five, we have Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a new one coming out, a new one just out now. Today. Oh, my God. Well, yesterday, whatever, Fallout. And number four, the best movie of the year by far is The Twilight Saga, Breaking Down oh Part God. 1. Oh, my God. <laughs> is that the first one? No, yeah. that's the... No, that's a Breaking Dawn Part 1. That's oh, the Breaking last two. Dawn. I said Breaking Down. Why didn't you even correct me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was no. Breaking Down. <laughs> I fuck it was. So what is this, the second one? No, no, no. Because you had the first one, then you had the second one, which was Eclipse, was it, or whatever. Then the third oh. one. Uh, you... These are the last two. Obviously last know two. more than I do about the Twilight Saga. I do. My base is Tom. <laughs> Big horror fan, talk about him a lot. He actually started my first podcast with me. He completely out of character is used to be very much into the Twilight movies. So he used to try and get me to see all of them. I never saw the last one. Couldn't do it. Well, it's like the Hunger Games. So I just couldn't couldn't do that last one. Once Ooh, it just that gets last to, like, one is a, awful. It's when it gets to that big old battle. I'm just like, I'm not interested anymore. I'm out. I okay. mean, the worst bit of that last one is Jennifer Lawrence's character telling. Peter, how much she loves him, while Liam Hemsworth just stands there, looked like they're they're stuck in a little sewer, and uh, it's anyway it's a stupid love triangle. It's dumb. I had it. It sounds amazing. They're stuck in a little sewer, telling each other that they love each other. We have number three, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. These movies. I mean, I think is this the one we talked about before? I think it had like it's in the top four budgets of all time. Oh, wow. Stranger Tides, budget. Um, Might be the next one. These movies. Yeah, $410 million it costs to make that Jesus. Is this the second one? No, Stranger Tides is like... That was before it went away for a while, wasn't it? And then it came back recently. Hmm. Is that the one with the mermaid? Penelope Cruz. I think it's the one with the mermaid. Yeah, for a while it was the most expensive movie ever made. Wow. Um, I think it just got beat. By, yeah, actually, I think it was until Infinity War, because then Infinity War, technically, because Infinity War's two movies, and they spent a billion dollars on that, so it was 500 million Do those million numbers each. include, like, the whole marketing and advertising? Marketing. Those are, um, this is the thing, isn't it? Because, yeah, normally you hear budget, and you, can, you normally double that for marketing. I don't know with that one. I'd know with inf- I don't think it does, actually, because I know with Infinity War, it's 500 million per movie, and Robert Downey Jr. got 200 million. Jeez. Uh, so like them, yeah, it wouldn't leave for room. those two films or for one film. So, all right. So they had a billion dollars to spend on two movies. They had 400 million of that was to pay cast and crew, like all the cast. Like, and think how many people are in Infinity War and think yeah. how many people are on the crew for that. So, and I think you're just talking shooting crew probably for that. 400 million to pay that. Half of that budget went straight to Robert Downey Jr. 200 million. He took 50% of what everybody else on set took. That's insane. insane. How could, but this is the thing. He's a prick. <laughs> like, I don't care what nice things he does. How can you possibly walk on set knowing that you did that? Like, you've taken literally 50% of, of the entire budget for, to pay everybody else. It's yeah, just, it's, oh, it's terrible. Terrible. It really is. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons, guarantee he will die in Infinity War Part 2. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. That's crazy. 
Okay, so number two, we have Transformers, Dark of the Moon. China loves them. I, I them guess. On. Number one, we have Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two. Ooh, ooh the last of the Potter films. <laughs> Everyone's getting into their part twos. Yeah. Part ones, part twos, and... <laughs> Um, but the most exciting thing is, mm. can you guys guess where Scream 4 is worldwide? No, fucking hell. It's not even in the top 100, probably. J- just make a guess. I'm going to say 54. Okay. Um, Al? If it made 90, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you're probably not far off, to be honest. I don't know, 67. Ding, 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 you won, and it's, you're the closest at 71. 71. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah, it's pretty bad, People right? People didn't want 90 slasher movies back. Who would have thought it? <laughs> Stupid Jeez. well. Yeah, yeah. We could have got you, another you, Legend 4. You didn't 4. realize that at the time when you looked around the cinema and it was empty. It was just me <laughs> in my ghost face mask, all excited. <laughs> yeah, like waving a knife around like one of those kids. You yeah, know. I was recreating Stabbed <laughs> yeah. in Scream 2. You're like, why isn't everyone else here? Woo! <laughs> There were, yeah, there were no fucking screamathons before this movie, <laughs> except in my house. All right, thank you very much, Christina. You're Alex, welcome. you got some horror films that came out in 2011. Why weren't people going to see Scream? What were they going to see instead? So here are some of our horror films. Oh, not our horror films. Some of the horror films <laughs> we made all of these. Wait, wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. I just found um, where it ranked in the U.S. top. 78 even worse in the worldwide fucking hell yeah wow. okay sorry alex no we just no, thought we right. done better in america okay. so looking at this horror list i immediately know which one my favorite is but we'll get to that so <gasps> starting off the list is apartment 143 this is anyway. spanish found footage Ooh, it's pretty good pretty good pretty, pretty good and then we have apollo 18 american found footage in space <laughs> Yeah. I actually didn't mind it. Uh, people hated this movie. I thought it was fine. The Awakening. This one's really lovely. It's Rebecca Hall, who I think is yep. a very underrated actress. I think is we talked English? about this. Actually, yeah, she's English, isn't she? Yeah, pretty sure. Um, I think I've done this list maybe before on one of our Hellraiser podcasts, if there's Hellraiser yep. coming up. There you <laughs> go. But yeah, to repeat myself for the people in you, this film is a film. It's always on Netflix. I recommend every people watch it. It's one of those perfect movies that, you know, when you get like family horror movies and they're normally just so nothing actually spooky happens. So it's like, why bother mm. watching it? This is one of those, but it's actually really, really good. Like, it's just really mature. It's a period piece. So it's set in ye olde England times. Nice. She's fantastic in it. And it's actually pretty spooky. I like it a lot. Good. We'll nice watch story. it. Uh, next up is Detention. This is a very obnoxious slash enjoyable, depending on your demeanor or disposition, I should say. This is a slasher movie, technically, but incredibly meta slasher movie. And it's the guy came to Fright Fest to present this. He had made one film before called Biker Boys, I think. Do you remember like the motorcycle Fast and Furious kind of knockoff? Yeah. It's called Biker Boys. It was called, ah, oh, fuck, I can't remember. Something like that. And it was terrible, but he made that because the studio made him. And he then couldn't get another film again. And he was making a lot of music videos. So he spent 10 million of his own personal money, 10 million dollars to put into this slasher film he wanted to make called Detention. And it fucking bombed. No one really liked it. But it was a lot of fun at Fright Fest. It's edited so fast. It's actually, if people are watching Scream 4 and they're interested in, you know, how do you make a slasher film in 2011 when things are more meta now rather than postmodern and when technology is in play, 
detention's kind of the perfect company companion piece. I mean, because it's very adrenalized, very ADD. Interesting. Moving on. Uh, don't be afraid. <laughs> no, I want to talk about detention. <laughs> don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Little critters running around. That's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Final Destination Five. If, any, if you guys have seen any of these films, do chime in. By the way, this isn't just like on me to talk about them. I haven't seen any of them. Okay. Final Destination Five. Is this the last of the? Yeah. Ones. Yeah. Final well, Destination. As of 2018, this is the last Final Destination movie. I believe we will be covering the Final Destination films Ooh. in the future. Um, so I won't reveal my thoughts on it. But no fun series. Fun series. <laughs> a lot going on in that. Fright Night. Next up. This is a remake with Colin Farrell in it. It was actually pretty fun. Directed by... Oh, wait. No. I was looking at the original. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's directed by Tom Holland, who directed Child's Play. And then I was like, ah, it's because I'm looking at the 1985 Fright Night. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? So I was yeah. wrong. <laughs> anyway. Also, Spider-Man's cousin. Spider-Man's cousin. Grave Encounters. This is also found footage, also almost always on Netflix, and one of people's favorite found footage movies. Made a ton of money, well, compared to its budget. And this is, this is like no subtlety found footage. This is the opposite of the Blair Witch Project. This is let's just do a movie where fucking ghosts and blood and people crawling out of asylum baths. And it was meant to have been shot in a real uh, haunted, abandoned mental asylum and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, but very silly. Yeah, it. Oh, yeah, cool. I'm going to check that out. Here's one of your favorite films, Al. Hellra- Hellraiser Revelations. Oh, my God. You can hear all about this by heading over to weirdgeeks.com <laughs> and listening to a Hellraiser retrospective, where we unfortunately covered all of these. Um, is there, <laughs> are there more Hellraiser films after this one? Sadly, yeah. No, oh, there we go. You can check <laughs> that out. There's one out this year called Judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Next up, Hostel Part 3. Oh, the end of the torture porn era. You yeah. guys seen any of the Hostel movies? God, you really nope. watched a lot of movies, Al. <laughs> nope. I watch all horror films. I feel like I watched Hostel when it first came out, like the first one, but I barely remember. Nasty, nasty movies. But yeah, this is right at the tail end. People were getting a bit sick of torture porn. And as I think we can see from this list already, we're really into found footage spookies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, but don't forget The Human Centipede 2. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah, yeah. I did sadly watch this as well. <laughs> oh, fucking God. terrible. I actually uh, worked with one of the girls who was in this movie. Not good. Was she still connected to the other actor? <laughs> she was. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh God. This film next up is has been on my list for a long time, and I still haven't seen it. But I really liked his film prior to this, House of the Devil, and it's The Innkeepers. Yeah, this is um this is Ty West who did yeah mm-hmm. then was it the what's the first one called the Roost and then he did yeah House of the Devil which a lot of people like I think most people like House of the Devil the most I actually like the Innkeepers the most it's like a John Hughes movie set in a real so basically the story was they had been filming I think House of the Devil and they were all staying in this hotel that everybody had haunted things going on. Um, so he wrote the film around the hotel that they were staying in when they were shooting some other movie and then just came back and made this movie in that actual hotel. 
That's and I really like it. I think it's really lovely. Um, yeah, good I acting. need to watch it. That's pretty I cool. Sarah her. Paxton in it. She's good. You. Uh, next up um, is Livid. French horror from the boys who did... Hang I get muddled between Livid... Hang on one second. Then they're the guys who did Martyrs. Yeah, these are the guys who did... Inside, sorry, that's the one they did. Inside's a fucking brilliant horror movie. Yeah, from the guys who did that, and then recently they did something else that's kind of... Oh, like, crazy you know. poster. Oh, oh, they did the new they did the new Leatherface, so we covered them on our Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective. Do you yeah. think that you would win if you had a ghost face on the phone with you? <laughs> I feel ghost face only lays traps, Christina. Sadly not. Sadly it's not. true, 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 true. But if you're trying to say I've watched too many horror movies in my life, yes, you're right. <laughs> Thank you. And the next one, uh, my favorite on this list, and possibly my favorite of this franchise, but I won't say in case we cover it in the future. Paranormal Activity Three. Paranormal, and that's the reason everyone was into the found footage spookies. The old Paranormal Activities, still in yep. their stride at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, we will definitely be covering this. We were meant to be covering this next, actually. Well, no, not next. The next one after our next one. But because there's a film suddenly got dropped and is coming out this year, we've changed our scheduling. So I think this is in our next year bracket now. I'll be there. I will we'll get be there. there. Yeah, I remember when the first Paranormal Activity came out. Do you remember all the commercials that, were, that, that came out at the, uh, promoting it where it was just shots of people in the cinema and it was like the scariest movie of all time. Oh, yeah. And it would have people like going, Rah! <laughs> screaming yeah. and just like, people fainted. <laughs> people pooped their pants. <laughs> yeah, it's only yeah. in America you get that with horror films where they do the night vision goggle kind of thing and it's just people <laughs> yeah, jumping in the so, cinema seat. It's like, oh my so god, funny. I want to jump in my cinema seat. <laughs> see this movie. Yeah. Uh, next up is Quarantine 2 Terminal. Haven't seen it. Don't Quarantine <laughs> is a remake of the Spanish found footage horror films Wreck. Hmm. The two Wreck films are phenomenal. Quarantine's literally just an exact remake. The sequel is something else. And again, we were meant to be covering them this year as well, but I think they've got shifted. All the found footage spookies got shifted. Oh. We'll, get, we'll definitely get to the Wreck series because there's four films and there's a lot to talk about. Nice. Ooh. Uh, next up is Shark Knight 3D. Monster movies. Didn't make as much money as they thought it would. Because shark movies. I think it's because this was like Sharknado sort of time or getting there. Right. Uh, then we have The Thing. This is a remake of the remake. Yep. It was all right. You had, what's her name? Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. She's pretty good. I love her. She's great. Yeah. Uh, the Tunnel. Uh, I think this is Australian found footage. Um, I don't know. Actually. Well, you know, your own country's films. <laughs> <laughs> Going through all these lists, like the top 20 and even this horror list, are the top 10. I wasn't watching a lot of films in 2011, I realized. because <laughs> oh. you're hanging out with me, buddy. Yeah. Uh, the last two to round out this list, The Woman and You're Next. Yeah, so The Woman, that's a good film. It's from Jack Ketchum, is that his name? He's a novelist who writes these really fucked up movies. There's The Girl Next Door is one as well. They're normally to do with terrible things happening to women, but he does it from definitely a pointing a finger at how horrible men are kind of point of view. But it's pretty nasty, uncomfortable watches. And your next is was a big film. It was a slasher film, actually, technically. I don't like it, though, but most people love that film. It's English. People in bunny masks. Home invasion style. Interesting. There you go. There you go. Very found footage-based list. Yeah, we're definitely in the spookies and the found footage, getting out of torture porn, 
so that's becoming less relevant slasher films pretty much i mean there's two technically on that list but they weren't doing well so a bad climate maybe <laughs> to bring back the 90s slasher so why did they i hear you ask right yeah why did they Al? thank you kevin williamson might remember that boy he, he invented the scream series wrote number one wrote number two had a draft for number three which they abandoned and they went with someone else he suddenly just had an idea one day i mean that's really, i've watched all these interviews with him and it's just like one day you just you suddenly you're like oh yeah got this idea and he had this great idea for scream four how to bring it back and he went to bob weinstein who had produced all these and pitched it to him. Bob Weinstein got all excited just by the opening and said, go and write it. So he did. And he went and talked to Wes Craven about it, who wasn't in initially. Uh, Wes Craven had always said, I'll only come back if there's a new script that's as good as the first Scream. Because he sort of, he was very polite about it. He never bad-mouthed it, but he clearly wasn't that happy with how Scream 3 had turned out. Um, he didn't get to do horror. It was goofier than he had wanted it to be. And he missed working with Kevin Williamson. I don't think it was a secret that he didn't really want to work with that other guy. What was his name? Aaron Kruger. Aaron Kruger. Doesn't like Krugers. (laughs) You could have said it was a nightmare for him to work with him. Christina just walked off. (laughs) Just gone. Crickets. Crickets. (laughs) So Kevin had, yeah, he had written a treatment for Scream 3 that went back to Woodsboro. And that's what he'd always wanted. He'd always wanted to get back to Woodsboro. And he also had an idea for Scream 5 and Scream 6 at the same time. So it was this over sort of arcing idea but really focusing on scream 4 wes then eventually did come on board he was 72 years old at this point so yeah really getting there to be making horror films still and his whole kind of what he wanted to talk about was the idea that the main characters have to figure out where the horror genre is in current days in 2011 in order to figure out what's happening around them essentially it was kind of like they needed to figure okay well what what where is horror at because they were acknowledging horror is kind of lost a bit at the moment and it's certainly not where Kevin and Wes wanted horror to be, as we're going to see in the beginning of this movie. So yeah, that's kind of the theme we wanted to talk about. He had an early draft which had Gail and Dewey with a baby, but they decided <laughs> yeah, shooting right the that. baby would make the film impossible, was their quote. I don't know if they going to be impossible, but difficult. Uh, so they got rid of this. They had another version which opened with Sydney going head-to-head with Ghostface in the first scene, and then she was going to be left for dead, and then they are going to have a two-year jump while she recovered. But Bob Weinstein feared this would slow the pace down too much and said, we need to bring in teenagers straight away. Bring in the teens. Now, bring the in problem is, the teens. there's actually some great <laughs> interviews of this because a lot of people say that Kevin Williamson and Bob Weinstein finally fell out over this film and they haven't talked since, which as of a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, they hadn't actually talked since. They did have a massive fallout, a furious row, as Kevin Williamson would say. But he just said this is just how they were. Like, they're both very passionate people. They had different visions. They would fight a lot. He's so grateful constantly. He's a very humble man, very nice man. He knows Bob Weinstein created his career by greenlighting Scream, you know, and he feels he owes everything to him. And he doesn't think they bear each other any ill. He laughs it off. He's like, are you kidding me? Bob doesn't, like, he's not angry. He doesn't give a shit. You just argue, you know, they're just fiery people. But they did argue about things going on in the script. Now, no details, everything I read, they wouldn't give over any actual details of what it was that they were arguing about but kevin was also working on his tv show the vampire diaries anyone remember that um <laughs> yeah that rings a yes. bell yes and he had conflicting schedules and really the producers from the vampire diaries like what are you doing still rewriting scream 4 you contractually have to be working on vampire diaries so he eventually just had to leave and aaron kruger who wrote scream 3 was brought in uh during production Fuck. to rewrite Kevin Williams script. Now this is weird because if you look on IMDb, only credits Kevin Williamson there. There is no Aaron Kruger down. But he's not the only one. This guy called Paul Harris Boardman who wrote Urban Legends 2 Final Cut 
Hellraiser, Inferno, and The Exorcism of Emily Rose. So he's a Bob Weinstein. <laughs> I think it's brought him in. Uh, he did some rewrites as well. So we've got two other writers coming in and doing different stuff with Kevin Williamson's script. But Wes did come out and say, look, there's been a bumpy period when things shifted over from Kevin. I signed up to do a script by Kevin, and unfortunately that didn't go all the way through to shooting. But it still is certainly Kevin's script and his concept, his characters, and his themes. So I think Wes was really there trying to like keep it as close as possible to Kevin's original script, because that's what he wanted to make. But Bob Weinstein had some other ideas. Once again, actors weren't given the script beyond page 75, so as to keep the ending a secret, so none of them could play it up as evil. Yeah, and we should also talk at some point, Courtney Cox and David Arquette, they married in 1999, after, you know, getting together in Scream 1. <laughs> Filed for separation in October of 2010. Um, yeah, and then divorced man. in May of 2012. So, yeah, this movie... Man, where do I have it? I've got the dates this was actually filmed somewhere here. And I know it was like right in that period when they filed for separation was during the filming of this. And then they did some reshoots beginning of 2011. So the film was delayed. So yeah, they were, they were falling apart. And actually, we're going to get into why they were falling apart. I don't like talking about people's personal lives, but they have such a, like, a parody with the Scream movies, you know, their relationship, that I feel we have to. But let's get to it when we get to it in the film. Yeah, I was reading a quote from um, Courtney Cox I think during Scream 3 or shortly after where she said, in Scream 1, I was flirting with him. In Scream 2, we were sleeping together. And by Scream 3, we were married. In Scream 4, divorced. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, 11 years pretty good, though. Well done. Yeah. Films in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, yeah, there we go. From June the 2010th to September 2010th. Okay, so they filed for divorce just after shoot. Oh, <laughs> Maybe God. it's this film. And yeah, reshoots early 2011. Uh, all right. There's a couple of things, but we'll get to them when we get to them. That is set up. That's why this movie's been made. Bob Weinstein was... He, uh, to be fair to Bob Weinstein, he had plenty of opportunities to bring this back. It wasn't like Screen 3 hadn't made money, you know? It made good money. It just wasn't as decent as the other two. The real reason he didn't bring Screen back earlier was Scary Movie. Those movies, the parody movies, were doing so well and were in the pop zeitgeist, he didn't want to make something that would be ridiculed. So he just thought, let's just sit on this for a while. And then it wasn't for sure that Kevin Williamson and Wes would even be involved, you know. He was intending to bring it back at some point, and it just happened to be Kevin came to him with an idea at the right time. And off they went. Which is kind of, it's very rare, you know. It's rare to have three films in a row in a horror franchise anyway, written, well, directed by the same guy, and then to come back 11 years later with the same people. So you think you'd just go, I remember at the time, as excited as I was, I was like, it's weird that they're not just rebooting this with a new director and a new writer and everybody. But this is both a reboot and a sequel. A requel, if you will. A requel. A screamake. Right. I think they, they use the... In, they uh, do, we'll get they? to it. He says screamake in something else. I'm running my notes. All right, so we're opening a movie and we're starting just like the first film on a phone ringing. I love it. I love that we're like going straight back to just... No, we're just fucking in. No traffic mm-hmm. jams, no queuing up outside the cinema. Straight in to the ghost face fun. Okay, so we've got... Oh, sorry. I haven't I'm done the cast. Oh, my God, guys. Fucked up completely. Get with it. Got to talk about the Who's in this actors. film, Al? I don't know what's going on. Tell me who's Not in this Not many film. people. <laughs> we've got... This is in the order they appear. Lucy Hale as Sherry. Shanae... Oh, this is going to take forever. Grimes Beach as Trudy. Anna Paquin as Rachel. Kristen Bell as Chloe. Amy Teagarden as Jenny Randall. Britt Robertson as Marnie Cooper. Neve Campbell. Ooh. Or Neve Campbell as Sydney Prescott. Alison Brie as Rebecca Walters. 
David Arquette as Dewey Riley, Courtney yeah. Cox as Gail Weathers Riley, Hayden Patisserie as Kirby Reed, Emma <laughs> Roberts as Jill Roberts, Marielle Chef or Hefe, I don't know, uh, as Olivia Morris, Marley Shelton as Deputy Judy Hicks. Oh boy. Uh, Eric Knudsen as Robbie Mercer, Rory Culkin as Charlie Walker, Nico Tortorello Torella as Trevor Sheldon, and I suggest everyone IMDb's Nico Tortorella because his IMDb picture is fantastic. Yeah, Anthony I'd, Anderson I'd as Deputy Perkins, Adam Brody as Deputy Hoss, Roger Jackson returning as Ghostface voice, and of course, in there, in the background, as a cameo, Matthew fucking Lillard. <laughs> what? <laughs> because... He is, he is the continuity of the Scream movies. He's done it all. I'm sure that was the ending of Scream 6 would be. It's all been Matthew Lillard. So yes, yeah, sorry, we're starting. We've got two brunettes picking up the phone. It's Goatface. They immediately put it down. They, they seem savvier, you know, than our previous yeah. girls at the beginning of Scream movies. And they're going to be watching Saw 6. One of them starts moaning about how she doesn't like those fucking torture porn because there's no character development. So immediately starting to get into Kevin and Wes calling out the stuff they don't like has happened since Scream 3 with the horror genre. And I'm with them. I don't like torture porn. So I'm, I'm yeah, fine with Disney Saw 6. Saw 4, sorry, not 6. I don't know if Saw 4, though, that was Lionsgate. So I don't know how they get to call out another film by name. You'd think they'd do like, you know, I don't know, some uh, different word that's, that gives you the same idea as Saw, but not trademark. They don't give a fuck. Exactly. All right, so she's got a Facebook stalker, and she's all excited because he's got a sexy body, which is the most stupid photo I've ever seen. I know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but he's really hot. He's got Channing Tatum's uh, body. No, that's Channing Tatum. <laughs> and then Ghostface rings back. He's immediately more impatient, right, in, in this film. Like, he's fucking on a mission, Ghostface, in this yeah. one. Which I feel works and doesn't work, depending on the scene. Because uh, sometimes in this film, for me... Just saying it straight off the bat, Ghostface comes off a bit too desperate, like a bit too, just like really needy. But at other points, that kind of desperation makes him seem scarier to me because it's like, mm -hmm. no, he's off the fucking wall. Yeah. I do like the dialogue here though, where he's like, who is this? And she said, the more impatient version of the person you just spoke to. <laughs> yeah. <people>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's playing with them. He dares them to open the door. So the kid who loves Saw opens it and then they both pay the price. So I'll just say this opening, this part, right off the bat, I was like, okay, it's a little bit derivative, but I was loving it. I thought the tension was really great. I thought the editing was really great. And I was, I was totally invested. It didn't feel goofy. Yeah, I was loving it. I thought like, no, this can't be the beginning. Like, this is it. It's going to be them too. Like, this is the beginning. I was a little like, what? But then, yeah. you know, you'd soon discover that it's not. It is the beginning, but it's not the beginning, you know? Yeah, because they get... What? Mind blown! I love it even more! <laughs> <laughs> so neither of you saw this coming? You didn't have any clue? No, I, I, but I not thought, like, it was weird. I was like, this is a, a little weird. Like, this is... I don't know. I felt like it was a little off. But it was because, you know, we were watching a movie. Within a movie, yeah. within a movie. But I mean, to be fair to them, like the acting in this one, even in the Stab Six world, is like as good as the acting in the previous Scream films. Like, it's not like the previous Stab movies mm -hmm. where we've seen where it's really stupid. Like, in this, 
the sequel, the stab oh, movies. Yeah, if we got to watch yeah. them, the acting's yeah. got better. From well, that's why I wasn't. Sh- that's why I didn't know it was. We were watching a movie within a movie within a movie. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. So it did get me for sure. This yeah, is the moment too. in the cinema where I turned around all excited, and everyone else was looking like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like everyone was like you, meta. How do you feel about it now, though? What is meta? I still love it. What is meta? Yeah, yeah. Like it, Christina. Self-referential. Yeah. Oh. Meta is basically in the 90s, it was postmodern. And then at some point, and I don't know when it transferred over to being called meta. I think there are technically maybe slight differences between them, but no one uses postmodern anymore. They've just used the word meta for anything Doesn't that's basically Courtney referring to itself as it? acknowledging yeah, it's itself. Like the, kids, the kids were saying yeah. it. I don't know what it means. I loved that. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't that. know what it means either. <laughs> Uh, I still try to use postmodern as much as I can just to confuse kids. Like, if that was the opening and it wasn't Stab 6, I still, like I said, bit derivative, but I, I would have still been on board. I would have been like, cool, it's like, it's going with the template of the original and it's kind of, it's very clearly pulling back the goofiness, like right from the get-go. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. I like how it's directed, I like the acting. And it seems quite brutal, the murders. But I, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have been disappointed. There's no imagination, you know, because that, that is part of the yeah. joy of finding <laughs> the screen true. films. It's like, what's the opening going to be? Because they've always yeah. got to do something fun. Yeah, really. That's why I was like a little confused. Yeah, but and they it's weird did. because you've looked at the first <laughs> well, they film. Did, the f- they did, they did. I got too ahead of myself. <laughs> but the first film's weird because the first film, the opening scene is the only bit that's not postmodern in Scream One. You know, like it's just pure yeah. horror. I mean, it is postmodern in terms of she's talking about horror movies and he's quizzing her, but they're not like, you're not nodding to movies within movies or anything like that, you know? So it's funny that this is where we've got to. Like, it definitely is feeding off of, yeah, screaming as like guys, scary movie, like all of that stuff. Uh, But yeah, I think they're doing really well. So then we cut to our next couple, now a blonde couple. Uh, This is Kristen (laughs) Bell and Anna Paquin, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I've read that um, the original idea for this... I think it was these two characters. It was meant to be the Hilton sisters. Yes. Oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, did they just hire every young girl in Hollywood at this moment? I think so. <laughs> and the difference is for me, and I think they're really smart with this, because Lucy Hale and Shania Grimes-Beach, whoever in that first layer, I don't know those two. You know, particularly at that point, 2011, those weren't faces I'd recognize. They hadn't mm. been in much beforehand. That was big. But when we get to layer two and it's Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell, particularly in 2011, yeah. everybody knows those faces. So yeah. you're thinking, oh, okay, this is our movie, right? But I also remember sitting there thinking, these are pretty big actresses. I don't know if Scream 4 can afford these people with everybody else. So I was kind of perplexed. Because yeah. in 2011, Anna Paquin was, that was like at the height of true blood, right? Yeah. And oh. Kristen Bell, was she still in Veronica Mars or was she already breaking into movies at that point? She might already breaking into movies because that would have been like forgetting Sarah Marshall time, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think so. Yeah, so they were, yeah, they were huge. Yeah, they were big gets. And it was like known in the sort of horror world that these two were going to be in it, but not for how long. And it turns out not long at all. But we do get some more commentary. So what I love with each of these layers is we get Kevin Williamson getting to talk about what he fucking hates about horror movies in 2011, which you might think, because when you look at it that way, this time I really was watching it that way. It's a big middle finger to possibly everyone seeing in your audience, you know. <laughs> it's like one of them's going to death of horror, like right here, a fucking Facebook killer stick a fork in 1996 already. And then the other one's going, yeah, but I like the stab movies. They're not aliens or zombies or little Asian ghost girls. It's just something about 
someone with a knife snapping. I do like how she cracks open the soda can when she says snaps. She goes, yep. someone just, and then she goes, on the soda can. Cool. <laughs> and then she stabs. Uh, was it, which one is it? It's Kristen Bell stabs Anna yeah. Paquin, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> stabs her in the stomach and says, did you see that fucking coming? Now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. So literally, literally killing the people who are moaning about slasher, 90 slashes. That's what's happening <laughs> in this scene. It's like, you're going to moan about 90 slashes? Fuck you. We're going to kill you. Sit back and watch the fucking movie. It's mm-hmm. ballsy as hell. And again, I looked around and people in the cinema were looking a bit like, really? You're going to middle finger us? Like, you know, you... I think it left a, sa- a bad taste in a lot of people who weren't big screen fans or were just mediocre screen fans or were new to this. It's like, don't come in and insult everybody in the audience and then expect us to be on this ride with you. But I was totally up for it because I'm just up for people being, you know, bold and ballsy and saying what they want to say. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah so did I. And I imagine, though, like with that 11-year gap, there would have been, this would have been people's first scream experience. And they're like coming off the back of like horror, uh, torture porn style films and found footage and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it could have been a bit confronting to be like, hey, fuck you. It is <laughs> right a question with this. It is like if it hadn't been called Scream 4 and it was just called Scream, you know, colon something else, if they'd done like, it's a reboot, but it's also a sequel, but allowed people to, would they have got more butts and seats? Because I do mm-hmm. feel you call something Scream 4, you think, well, if I haven't seen Scream 1 through 3, I can't go see this, you know? Yeah. Like maybe for you, Alex, you know, you might have been more tempted if it was called Scream something else. Because mm-hmm. you hadn't seen three, you know, and then you go, oh, it's yeah. fresh start, you can go check it out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we're in stab seven. So we come out of that. And this is where I get a little confused later because they're watching this movie later on. And unfortunately, we don't get to see what really happens after stab seven. Instead, we cut to what could be another layer. And at this point in the cinema, I am praying, please, no, like twice is fine. <laughs> Let's not yeah. do it anymore. <laughs> up to say. So with our final two girls for the opening, this is the real opening now. We're in Scream 4. And yeah, they start discussing oh. the layer of the layer. I'm looking at some body count lists for this film. Some of them included those oh. in their list, but I have not. Oh, a purist. Yeah. I'm sticking, not, I'm not going the films within the films. I'm sticking no, to. Yeah. You kidding? Wow. Okay. I think All that's right. a good idea. Which could totally change this thing because this film, technically, with those kills, I believe it has the most mm. kills in the franchise. It does. Does it still without? That's the question. I will give both the numbers at the okay. end. Exciting. I cannot wait, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's like, you're overthinking this. And she's like, am I? Or do the people who write this just underthink it? So they're jabbing at themselves. Yeah, again. And kind of trying to do the scream thing where it's like, well, if we talk about it, can we get away with the bits that are shitty <laughs> in our movie? And then they start talking about Stab 5, which had time travel, which was the worst, which I totally want to see. <laughs> So do you know about the nod to this? Was that one of the Freddy films? Can't remember which three or four, but Wes Craven had wanted time travel in one of them. Oh man! Hang on, hound. Isn't that? I remember us talking about this on our on our podcast. Go to We Are Geeks and listen to Nightmare on Elm Street podcast. But wasn't it that they wanted to do a sequel and Wes didn't want to do it, so he decided to pitch something so absurd that he thought no oh, sequel yeah. would be made. Think so was... here, all I've got here is uh, Wes Craven had the idea of time travel in dreams for a nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master, but the studio rejected it. Yeah, but I think, I think that was because that was when it fell out, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure that was, he was pitching something so stupid he thought they'd never make it. 
and they couldn't make another nightmare without his involvement, but instead they just basically fired him and made <laughs> what they wanted to make. Uh, I don't believe Wes would ever put time travel in any movie, bless him. So. I don't think he would have put in a giant Freddy penis slug either. <laughs> Did happen. <laughs> Did oh, happen, oh, confirmed. Eating, uh, what's her face? Patricia Arquette. Yeah, that's not cat. <laughs> There's another the lake. Yeah. All right. So my question is, is this layer, we're in our third layer now. Uh, as When you're watching it, you're aware this could still be a stab movie. Is this layer better than the other layers? Because we're in the real scream now. Are you with these girls more than the other girls? Like, Yes. Yeah, for me, there was still a lightness a little bit about the first two, as much as I liked them and I liked the tension, particularly in the first one. The second one was a little bit more kind of goofy, but then this one, I felt like it just suddenly dropped. Like it, it became much more grounded, darker, sinister. Okay. Yeah, and then Ghostface immediately for me was just a lot more compared to some of the other films, especially the last two, like immediately more sinister and scary in just how his physicality. I think they used his physicality more in this, which then yeah. becomes an issue for me later, which I'll bring up. But, but I really liked that. So yeah, these two girls, they're like goofing around in a the house. It turns out there's a Ghostface app, which you can use so you can have Ghostface's voice if you want to. Yeah, and they're kind of like spooking each other around the house and one of them sounds like she's dying over the phone so the other one goes to investigate. Um, and then Ghostface rings, but she's like, well, her friend doesn't have the Ghostface app on her phone so she can't do the voice, but then she does. And Ghostface just says, you're the dumb blonde with the big tit, so we'll have some fun with you before you die. This isn't a comedy, this is a horror film. So again, I feel this is... Yeah, Kevin, like, as soon as Wes got involved, he said he was writing stuff with Kevin. Um, and this definitely feels like the mission statement. You know, we've talked about how we don't like Asian Ghost Girls re like remakes, which makes no sense because this kind of is. And Torture Porn, we've then talked about how anyone who's moaning about 90 slashes, get the fuck out. You're going to sit down and watch this movie. And now they're doing the thing of this isn't going to be a comedy. This is going to be a horror film. And they're definitely trying to make a statement here before moving on into the movie. Uh, and you're right, Alex, it feels darker, which mm -hmm. I'm very happy about. Mm -hmm, me too. Christina's it was just scarier. <laughs> Christina's just waiting for Dempsey to turn up at this point. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as comedic as the last no. one for sure. And he's a mean motherfucker because like, he stabs her, she crawls to the garage, and then he puts the door down on her wound for no reason. He's just fucking with her. I know. Know. He's just like pulling that down. Uh, yeah, and then he kills her. Scream 4 comes up. Unfortunately, I feel this beginning for me is a little ruined with the stupid Scream mask CGI in the background of the Scream 4 logo. Then there's some bad music that kicks in, <laughs> which kind of, yeah, ruined the mood for me. That's kill one and kill two. Kill one and two. Or kill... Six and seven. No. There you go. Five and six. Five and six. Yeah. So we're with Sydney. She is back. We're in Woodsboro. Ghost faces everywhere. It's the anniversary. And Sydney has written her own book on what happened. And she's on a book tour. She's got a press agent now, which is <laughs> the girl from Community. No, she's also the girl from Glow. Yeah, well, now she's the girl from Glow. But at that yeah. point, she's yeah. the girl from Community. Oh. I couldn't imagine any small town that has had young people in its community brutally murdered. Oh, I know. And then had consequently these films have come out exploiting that, <laughs> putting up like things of the murderer around Like the as town. if it were Easter. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> Easter Bunny. I know it's so <laughs> insane, but I guess in every movie it's been insane like that where there's no yeah. like 
empathy for any of the victims. Like it just doesn't feel like, you know, it actually happened. That's a really good and point. And I feel that's yeah. definitely something Kevin and Wes are trying to say here. It's like, I mean, yeah, you raise yeah. a point. It's one thing for the teens of nowadays to have no empathy for the previous generations. Because I've said with the other ones, what I kind of like about the screen films is they point out how much they kind of hate teenagers in each decade, but without mm-hmm. a bitterness. This one, I feel a bitterness. This one, I definitely feel there's a little <laughs> bit of a like, teenagers are annoying and we don't really like them, which might, yeah, exclude some of your target audience, I feel. Yeah. But yeah, the whole town celebrating it is a bit weird. It's Although that so said, weird. There are plenty of little nowhere towns in America that have the you know most tangential things to do with serial killers and they exploit that for tourism you know they might not hang yeah. up effigies of them yeah. But, yeah you know any anything to get tourists to come to your little town i know it's mm. so gross right it is it makes you think about like oh what did i support that was actually a true story that i didn't you know that i yeah. didn't really take that seriously or didn't really you know completely. i don't know completely but I feel everyone would have just left this town, to be honest. Because <laughs> it's happened so many, It's not like it happened once. It's happened so many times now. <laughs> Sorry, this is like completely off topic. But Al, I noticed uh, just so that there's like a black and white photograph behind you on the yes, wall. Yes, there is. Yes. And I just had this, <laughs> this moment where I was like, oh, it's suddenly going to be like The Shining, where at the end of the podcast, I'm going to kind of notice in the something weird in the photograph and... <laughs> You're going to be photo. <laughs> I'm going to end the photograph. Yeah. I'll just keep doing anyway. this so it can change. As I move by. <laughs> Dewey, he's still alive because he Yay. never dies. Are we happy Dewey's back? Yes. You know what? I, I have grown very affectionate for this goofball. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Like, I'm going to say, he's yeah. less goofy in this one, though. Oh, right? way, less, way goofy, less goofy. Yeah. So less I'm goofy. all happy for. This is how I wanted him to be the others, where he's a little goofy, but he's not stupid. Unfortunately, his deputy takes the stupid bat on and runs yeah. with it. But yeah, I like this version of Dewey. A little bit older. Yeah. He's now a fucking sheriff. How did that happen? <laughs> Who would put him in charge of anything? But yeah, it's definitely way more balanced. Like he's, he's a more grounded character, but I think the goofiness comes out now more in a natural sort of insecurity of his abilities, like, and, and, and like an acknowledgement that he's like, Am I doing the right thing? Like, is it like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. It feels a bit more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But he's not limping anymore. He isn't limping anymore. He's no. gone over it. He's fine. <laughs> All recovery. Physical therapy. Yeah, very good physical therapy, I guess. <laughs> and he's married to Gail Weathers. Uh, we learn that she's given up being an investigative reporter, moved back to Woodsboro. Given up all her ambitions just to settle down with Dewey, and she's kind of frustratedly trying to write her first fiction book, but can't. Eleven years later, by the way. <laughs> How long have you been trying to write this book? You know, it's amazing, <laughs> you know, you talking now about in the first one, just, you know, seeing the just sort of unbridled infatuation Courtney Cox had for David Arquette in that first one and i wasn't sure if they'd split up at this but like immediately from the get-go and sort of seeing them i was like well it's like they're playing the tension really well but is it kind of real and then that's when Mm. i looked up as i was watching and yeah to know they were already separated it kind of adds a sort of very real but sort of sad layer to it and how they interact definitely i know their relationships happened throughout these films it does it makes me kind of sad um but also really impressed with the acting that they could just suck it up and just do it 
you know? Because mm-hmm. um, you would think one of them wouldn't sign up for this when you get yeah. it off for free. So, yeah, really, God bless them for doing it. So then we're introduced to some of our teenagers. We've got Hayden Patisserie or Panettiere, if you want to, but, you know, Patisserie. The Heroes Girl at the time. Mm-hmm. She was quite a big get. Yep. She's driving and she's picking up Nev Campbell's cousin, right? Cousin, yeah. Yeah. Who is Jill Roberts, played by Emma Roberts. Not sure why. The, keeping the names, but there you go. <laughs> and yeah, she's <laughs> they're talking about this guy Trevor, and we have a very stupidly looking pretty girl gets in who's talking about him as well, which is played by who's that? Uh, is that Marielle Jefe, I think, who's playing Olivia Morris. Now we're going to get to in our wrap up episode the Scream TV show, but Katie was watching this movie with me, and we'd just been watching the Scream TV show, and she was like, "Oh my god, the Scream TV show just tried to cast these three people." Which they really do. Like, it, particularly this girl who gets in, the, the sort of obnoxiously bitchy pretty one, she's exactly like a girl in the Scream TV show. Mm. Interesting. Doesn't surprise me, being MTV produced. Yeah. Yeah, they really seem to have taken this movie and sort of just done different things with it. Mm. Uh, but we'll get to that next week. So yeah, Jenny rings her and it's Ghostface. It's not Jenny. Um, so she puts it on speakerphone. I like that they're doing this a bit in the movie as well. It's like, don't have to have these private conversations. We'll just go on speakerphone. On their cellular phones. Yep. Cellular telephones. Everyone's got one now. So Dewey has a deputy who's this young blonde girl who's baking him lemon bars. <laughs> <laughs> totally infatuated with him. She is all over Dewey. They're talking about one generation's tragedy is the next one's joke. So yeah, here's where we're getting some of these like lines, you know, which are pointing, I feel that kids nowadays and how they have no empathy and she says you're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon squares (laughs) (laughs) so fun fact do you know why the two split up because of her because of the lemon squares not necessarily because of her they split up now see if you can believe this david arquette is a massive womanizer (laughs) he was sleeping with so many women (laughs) Really? And yeah. Can you imagine David Arquette as a womanizer? Well, uh, he is. But apparently a, he was. He is a wrestler. <laughs> That's true. Oh my God. That is true. I'm just going on. Yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it was all fucking, uh, it was all fake. It's like, I'm just going on wrestling tour, sweetheart. Uh, I'll be back <laughs> in a couple of months. So it's even weirder watching their marriage fall apart in this movie because she thinks that he might be cheating on her with his deputy. Yeah, for sure. When you like that's actually what was going on in real life was he was just yeah sleeping around a lot because yeah some of those bits like especially Courtney Cox's first confrontation with the deputy it feels loaded like I don't yeah. think oh, that's yeah. just like good for me it was like this isn't just good act like her giving her best acting performance this that's kind of real yeah I want to know did yeah. Kevin Williamson know this stuff and write it in you know are they doing this with each one they did like Harvey Weinstein in a different film this film they're trying to tackle David Arquette's woman <laughs> <laughs> Aww, these are all just sucks. basically interventions that's what each of these I don't like are. Dewey anymore <laughs> so they get a call to go to the Randall house and we get great lines like it's bad real bad <laughs> Sydney's on a talk show talking about a book it's called Out of Darkness and it's all about yeah how she's come into the light, she stopped hiding, she stopped doing what she was doing in Scream 3, she realized she has to decide her own life and stop being scared. But I, okay, for starters, I would still be scared. It's been 11 years though, I get it. She's, you know, become a strong, you know, even stronger than she was in the previous films and she was strong there. But would you go back to Woodsboro for a fucking book tour on the anniversary of the murders? 
when you no. have this book out? No. Nah. You no, thank nah. you. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I'd stay like, home I'd... with my Dempsey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you're presuming Dempsey's just there somewhere waiting for her? Yeah. We should also say there's a deleted scene somewhere here that does uh, emphasize. I don't know if you guys know this, but as always, Sydney's dad, nowhere to be seen. <laughs> he did die, apparently, between Scream oh, 4 and 4. 3 and oh, 4. No, not sad. the actor, but the oh. character. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Did he die at a Comic Con? <laughs> yeah, he died from too many fans at a Comic Con. Too much cosplay killed him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was a whole bit in here and Dewey comes out with it, but it's in the deleted scenes, but uh, we don't get it in the movie. And I don't think we care in this one. In the other films, I am like, she's a kid. Where the fuck is her dad in this one? Yeah, not even thinking about him. Yeah. It was even a bit of a surprise when he popped up in the third one, to be honest. Yeah. It was. And, and, like, and, and, and yeah, and, and for as briefly as he did, like under those circumstances, for him to just be like, you know, yeah. some groceries. Whatever. Bye. These are the movies yeah. where you normally forget the kids have parents because we're just with the Scooby-Doo gang. So we're back at Woodboro High. Feels good. I like being back. Yeah, same. I do. Yeah, yeah so, so do I. The thing I noticed, though, like the town and the high school feel the same, but the, well, well, there's sort of that main little square, but then it feels more suburban. Whereas mm. like in the first one, all those houses seem pretty like big and isolated sort of on these big kind of properties, whereas here, that's true. Very, it was more built up. Do you know sort of if they shot a little more in Elm the same Street-ish. place? I know where they shot, but I can't remember if that's the same place or not, because we said at the beginning, was it Michigan, I think I said? Yeah, I think there were some overlapping locations. Yeah. From what I read. Yeah, they shot at Ann Arbor, Michigan. Can't remember if that's where they shot the original one or not. I know, remember, no, because they shot the original one in California. In North Carolina. North that's California, right, yeah. Because yeah, Wes Craven had that fight with uh, the Weinsteins about it. There we go. Um, so no, but it does, it looks the same to my head. Or maybe they just did exter- a couple of external shots up there or something, you know. You know. So we're getting introduced to a couple of new nerds. Yep, new Film Randys. Geeks. The new Randys. We've got Rory Culkin playing Charlie Walker and we've got Eric Knudsen playing Robbie Mercer. So... Yeah, Charlie is going to be our main one, and then the other guy, I'm just calling him Webcam Boy, because he's just got his webcam, webcam on his fucking Webcam Boy head. reminds me of, like, a video game character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, a Life is Strange style, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I, do, I know exactly what you mean. This is seems... old people writing in 2011 what they think young people do, yeah. which is have obnoxiously large webcams just strapped to the head while they stream content all day long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if you made this movie even four years later, it would be completely different, right? Yeah. He would just be holding his iPhone out. Yeah. Than just on Periscope or something. It's, or he would have, like, a GoPro on. I think that's one of the sad things about this movie, is that it's trying to... It's finally like, all right, it's got a new generation, a technology generation. Let's update screen for that generation. And they just, like, they just missed the mark of when technology was going to really... You know, I mean, 2011... I don't know if they missed the mark or if they just weren't updating themselves enough. But it's like, this wasn't quite what technology was. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, he's streaming and a show the called fashion. Hall Pass. The fashion was oh, horrible. The fashion. In this <laughs> you don't movie. like the fashion? <laughs> oh my God, from the beginning, I was like, oh God, I'm glad it's not 2011 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that long ago. I know, that's what I'm saying. I was like, when was this? It feels like it was the 2000s. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I do get muddled with the years where we're at, but in my head, I'm like, this doesn't feel like 2011. It feels yeah, it like, feels yeah. so much older. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like 2005. But yeah, I mean, we should say, Wes Craven came out and he said he wasn't trying to update the filming. I always saw it as, oh, they really worked hard to make it feel like a 90s slasher because this feels exactly the same. Watching it back to back with the other two, it feels darker. Um, and they do mm-hmm. have the same DP here as they had for Scream 2 and Scream 3 rather than Scream 1. But I think he's learned a lot. So it feels more like Scream 1, but it does have that 90s feel to it, which I think is a, a smart decision from a franchise point of view, but probably a yeah. bad decision from trying to make money, you know, because it does feel old, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But isn't it kind of nice for us, like watching the retrospective, you can watch 1, 2, 3, go to 4, and it doesn't feel like a jump. It feels like, no, you're definitely in the same universe, the same way of directing. Like, yeah. It was a good, it was a good, I mean, for it being, what, 10 years or whatever, it was a good uh, transition. It still felt like, I don't know, I still got the same things out of it that I like wanted. a screen movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Charlie, Hayden Patisserie, is really, really into Rory Culkin. <sighs> His Sorry. hair is so funny. Yeah, vice versa. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he's really into her, and we're going to learn she's really, really into him which seems unfathomable to me, but okay. We're going to have to go with it because the movie's telling us that. Uh, yeah, his hair is insane. Insane. Out of control. So Trevor, we learn here, is... Fuck, I keep forgetting the cousin's name. What's her name? Jill. She's Jill's, he's Jill's ex, and she's all pissed because uh, we learned that he cheated on her when they were broken up, but they weren't really broken up or something. I don't really understand. A friend situation seems to have happened. Yeah, and then they linger on him for ages at the end of the scene. Did you notice that? They're doing like the Billy Loomis linger. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't think, notice oh, that, but I could feel something. You think, oh, it must be They must were be setting Trev. him up as all the other ex-boyfriends. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't notice it while I was watching it, but I read after. And I don't know if this bit comes up later, but it's implied that he cheated on her with the first girl that was killed. Oh, is that who it was? Uh, but mm. I totally miss that in the film. You think it'd be nice to him then? Like, you think you'd get over, oh, right, you slept with someone else with, oh, no, she was fucking killed. <laughs> like, you think there'd be some mourning? No. No, no. empathy. Kids. No. <sighs> fucking kids. So Gail goes to see Sid doing her talk at a bookstore, uh, and she's talking about stopping being a victim, taking control of her life, and then Dewey suddenly turns up with the police squad. They've traced the phone... <laughs> Back to this area. <laughs> there's a ridiculous scene where he goes, you know what? I'm going to ring it. <laughs> so he just rings the phone. And it's, it's coming out of Sydney's rental car. And there's like pictures of her from a press store with blood or fake blood or real blood. Not sure. And a knife. I thought for sure there's going to be a body. I was kind of like disappointed. To see yeah, I thought there was going to be Me a body. Too. But fair enough. Sydney's getting freaked out. Suddenly goes, oh shit, things happening. But she's not allowed to leave town because she is in this one. A suspect. Ooh. That's Alex, what I wanted. you said previously you wanted Sid to maybe turn out to be the killer. Were you getting your hopes up for this one? I liked the setup, but somehow I knew that it wasn't going to follow through on that. Yeah. Because so they, they kept talking like, about it too much. There wasn't enough for me to feel like, oh, fuck, yeah, this could, this could be Sydney, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're in class. Everyone's phones start going off, telling them about the deaths of the girls. And then the news crews just immediately swing in. We have someone actually comment on that, which I find weird this time. Someone's commenting like, oh, wow, that's quick. The news crews turned up so quick. As if that was going to be a plot device, like someone in the news or something. I don't know. It was weird. Mm. And then we get an obnoxious scene with Deputy Judy not letting Gail into the room. 
where Dewey's talking to Sid. It was so obnoxious. I mean, I guess it's supposed oh. to be, but oh my god, I was just like, oh I wrote, my the god. deputy is a You're little so kiss annoying. ass. Yeah, she annoys the shit out of me. This deputy, she's yeah. just like. Oh, I like what says to her. Right? And by the way, your lemon squares taste like ass. <laughs> <laughs> and Dewey does nothing. No, they don't taste like ass. They're good. Don't worry. I love ass. Yeah, ass tastes great. Beating <laughs> 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 ass. Basically, I guess. I just, I knowing now that Kevin Williamson. You know, there were rewrites done by Kruger. This this character and these bits, it all makes more sense to me. Like these bits I'm putting down, and maybe I'm fairly, maybe Kevin wrote these, but these feel like the guy who wrote Scream 3 to me. These feel like the goofy, more comedy bits, more comedy characters. Definitely. So yeah, definitely. Like real, makes- really, she really, it's like, especially in that first, well, I guess throughout it, but particularly in that first sort of 30 minutes to an hour, the deputy... Yeah, sends out like a sore thumb because everything else is, it's like it's being grounded and trying to be a bit darker and more truthful and a bit more grown up almost. And, and she just comes in like all yeah. wide eyed and just with some really hammy lines. She's like the really new Dewey. Hammy. Yeah, right? no, she is. But we don't need that. I mean, Dewey still, so Dewey starts to be a bit Dewey here, but in a good way, I think. When Gail, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like you feel like in a way, it's a bunch of old people trying to catch up with the modern generation, which is, again, maybe why this film didn't succeed and why I like it. Um, but you've got Gail coming in and telling Dewey, oh, it's all over the internet already. And he's like, it is? I know. <laughs> yeah. You almost expected to be like, what's the internet? Yeah, and then Dewey's refusing to let her help him with the investigation. But Gail says she's going rogue. She's got a fire back. Doesn't need him. Yeah, I like this whole thing between them two of, like, of her sort of being like, you know, we figured out those last three murders. Like, we're a team. Like, let's do this. And yeah, he's just yeah. like, he's good. It's almost like he's trying to be a grown up now. He's like, I yeah, can like, I'm the sheriff myself. now. Yeah. Just me and Lemon Squares. I do feel he's not as into her. That's the thing. Like, I do feel like. Yes. Yeah. He, same. He's not. I, I feel like he is going to have an affair with Lemon Square Girl. Yeah. For sure. Same. But again, this is, goes back to that whole thing of. The, the sort of loaded tension beneath it for me, where it's like that disconnected. Are, it's just, and it kind of is just weird to watch because it is real. Yeah. It is real. No, it is weird. I, but it does add, yeah, yeah, like, an extra layer to it. it. It certainly improves his acting. I wrote, is David Arquette a better <laughs> actor? <laughs> That's true. Well, it's been 11 years. He's been to a few acting schools. And he had no other real jobs in between. So. Wrestler, Al. He was a wrestler. Oh, that's true. I apologize. He, Things been, he learned in the ring. Yeah, he is the reason for the downfall of the WCW. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. So Dewey brings in Jill and her friends because they had these phone calls. So they explain what happened to him. And then Sid talks to them. <laughs> and I love this line. just like, you know, it was the killer's voice from Stab. Or, you know, your life. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dewey's telling Sid, yeah, she can't leave town. And Deputy Judy, she's just enjoying this all way too much. Um, but they do give Sydney 24 hour protection. So, community slash like glow girl. not going to do anything. Yeah, I know. Right? And it's well, like really only put trying. two cops on her. Like, you know, the killer's going to go there 100%. You only have yeah. two cops to put in her. And only outside. Why not put a cop inside? Yeah. Stupid. It's true. It's true. Uh, but you're forgetting Dewey is the sheriff of the town. <laughs> He's running the operation. Yeah, but... 
Community Glow PR girl is all excited about her two dead girls. So now it means her book's going to sell great. And she's a huge fan of Gales and gives her some backhanded compliments. So Gail then threatens to punch her. And then says an embarrassing line of still got it. Which is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are just some, the thing is, I'm really enjoying this movie. And then there are just these lines here and there that just really embarrass me. They just make me cringe, you know. Mm. We're with Jill and Kirby and Jill's mum who just comes out of nowhere with the weirdest acting and in this scene they just like shove in this exposition of going I'm Sid's mum's sisters I have scars too no one ever asked me about my scars yeah and then we just ignore her again for like most of the movie it's so I fucking know, it's weird it's so weird and she disappears for so much of it yep are we meant to think it's her is that like because she's so creepily weird here it's just like I never thought it was even, her i thought it was yeah, another like weird I. dad situation you know right like she's just gonna disappear again all of a sudden i just love that she has to spell it out i'm sid's mom's sister like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so sid and Julie having sit down having a chat and then trevor trevor's creeping into jill's room again embarrassing lines here we said no match for the ninja baby like that's not teenagers don't talk like that nowadays <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in the <laughs> 80s. Maybe John Cusack did. Yeah, she's saying, okay, so Jill's saying she doesn't trust Trevor. And as Sid comes into the room, as he leaves out the window, telling her that she's smaller in person. I love this moment. I really do. Mm-hmm. I love this sort of complete deja vu mm-hmm. to the first film. And yeah. Sid, like, Nev Campbell does great, I think, with her reactions to this kind of stuff. You know? Yeah, I she's- thought she was really great. I think this is, I mean, uh, yeah, I think this is the best Nev Campbell's been in any of the Scream films, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's how she plays this. I like seeing her as a slightly older person, a bit more gravity to her. And yeah, I also really like this generational element, you know? Mm-hmm. Me too. So, Nev is that like just the right age where you feel like Jill and her friends might look up to her a little bit. She's just sort yeah. of old enough, but she's not yet mother age or anything like that. Um, yeah, and I do like that idea of... Yeah, being this older cousin who's gone through all this shit so publicly and like that kind of dynamic from the get-go is really cool. Like a cousin that she doesn't really know because I think she says mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and she sort does. Of how they're trying to like, how they're trying to sort of exist in that relationship and, and yeah, and, and Nev Campbell's or Sydney trying to sort of protect Jill from the get-go. It's cool. It's really nice. Yeah, and we should say, like, they're immediately putting this thing on, you know, how she's, everybody knows her. Everyone's heard her say it. She's kind of a celebrity, um, which is definitely a theme in this movie. Yeah, and then when she leaves the room and fucking Deputy, this is the worst scene. Deputy Judy's just standing in the dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so it makes weird. you think that she's the killer. Because even in the beginning, I was like, she's so on Dewey. Maybe she's the killer. Like, she's just oh, so intense. Hard. Too much. It's too over the top. It's ridiculous. And then she's like, "Don't you remember, Sid? We went to high school together. We were she's in, in the dark. together." You're like, "What?" And you're yeah, really trying to retroactively like, paint that in. It kind of. I mean, you could say with Trevor, they try and do the whole Billy Loomis thing, but even that, it's slightly like it's it's uh, restrained. But yeah. with her, as far as like and setting up the other suspects, it's it's quite restrained. Whereas yeah, with with the deputy, they just like really go all out. Yeah, full with everything. Out. It's She's just terrible. it's crazy. Yeah, and they're definitely just trying to point fingers here. Yeah, they're painting the whole thing of like, oh, she's got some back history with Sid, so she could have even been involved with 
yeah, Billy Loomis and Matthew Lillard and stuff mm-hmm. in the first screen movie without you knowing about That's it. Like, you true. know, really, but no, it's not what we're going to get. <laughs> so two cops stationed outside. We've got, again, is he still a name now? Is Adam Brody still a big deal? Or was this just 2011? He was a big deal. I think so. I mean, at this Everybody point in time, he was a point. pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah, in 2011, that's what I'm saying. 2011, he was. But it's kind people of cool know he's now? got this sort of small, almost sort of insignificant part. It's cool. Yeah. It's just a cop station outside. Yeah, he's a man. I just don't know if he's doing anything still now. He's, he was such a big deal. It's like, where did he go? I don't know. Um, Alex is on it. Where is Adam Brody? <laughs> I feel so like Kirby, I saw him in something recently. Dylan Kirby are watching Shaun of the Dead, which I always think is a bad idea to put in your movie footage of any other masterpiece because then you run the risk <laughs> yeah. of you just going, ah, shit, I should be watching Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> that was a brilliant horror comedy. And then, yeah, their other girl is their neighbor and she goes home alone and they're ringing each other. I like that they're all in contact with each other the whole time now, which is, you know, how people, how kids are now. I love though, she goes back into, she goes into a house. The cops are sitting outside both of the houses kind of thing. She goes into a house and then they ring her back immediately and she's in her underwear. Just straight away. Like about 20 seconds has passed and she's somehow gone into a house, gone upstairs and got undressed. For no so for me, this whole bit is a real, real echo of Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. With Nancy looking over to, I forgot Johnny Depp's character's name. But like, just that thing of having your friend directly across from you. That's true. Uh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's absolutely true. This is definitely, yeah, no, she's even ringing him, isn't she, while she's looking at him. And yeah, mm-hmm. definitely is. Yeah, so they mentioned the Stabathon here. And then Trevor starts ringing on the other line. Some of these scenes get confusing to talk through because there's a lot of phone calls going on and people, you know, pressing hold on different lines and stuff. Uh, but Trevor rings on the other line to Kirby, but it's Ghostface, and he asks her how the movie is, Shaun of the Dead. And then she's like, how the fuck do you know? So Kirby's like, I mean, I really, I have to say, I love Hayden Patisserie in this film. Like, she, Kirby <laughs> is my favorite character in this movie. She's just got real fucking gumption, you know? She's like... yeah. She's taking control of the situation. She's not easily scared by stuff. And yeah, me and Katie, when we watched this by the end of the movie, we were both just like, she just acted everybody else off the screen other than Nev Campbell, probably. Yeah, she did do really good, especially when she, uh, towards the end when she starts to cry. Yeah. She was, it was so real and so good. I don't know. But I really think she's great. And I really just enjoy her character in these scenes. I just did not like the way they dressed her. How did they dress yeah, her? They dressed her style. as if they were going, if she was going to the office. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like, they the did. Fuck? They dressed her, like, way above her age, I felt, compared yeah, they made to the her rest. Look, yeah, they made her look so much older than everybody else. But some girls, oh, I mean, weird. I don't know, 2011, but some girls definitely in my age growing up would do that. You'd always have the girl who thinks, like, I'm more mature than the rest, so she dresses more like a grown-up. Dresses up a bit more. She's got a cool short hair that's up and stuff, like, you know. Okay, fine. Whatever. I let it go, but I mean, it just was like, really? I like that she's challenging Ghostface. She's like, how, you know, how do you know what's going on? He says he's standing in the closet. But again, we're getting those, like, everything that's creepy with this, they do two things right, and then they do one thing wrong for me. Like, he's really creepy, and then they keep talking to him as if he's Trevor, and he's like, this is not fucking Trevor! (laughs) He's just getting all, like, pissy. And you're like, all right. I feel like Ghostface should feel in control the whole time. But yeah, but I then I do... guess that makes sense. Those kind yes. of reactions make sense when we when we get to the end. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, I like her character too, Kirby. I guess like with the whole challenging 
in that she's kind of like in a way she's challenging the conventions which are so constantly like mentioned in this film mm-hmm. but without it like being like an obvious like without having a randy character being like this is what happens blah 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 and this is how you challenge that like here she's doing it without yeah it being like this postmodern sort of meta thing yeah yeah i feel we've got a lot of people sort of playing out randy's role in this film um in a nice yeah. way yeah like so underplaying it a bit more to be uh, there was a lot of fan pressure to bring randy back to this and Wes craven just refused he said he would love to because he loves randy but he's like i'm not doing that i'm not fucking creating some bullshit reason for why randy's still alive um and good on him but i think this is one of my favorite mo- moments in the movie where it's saying like yeah it's in the closet and she's going they're going towards the closet and they open it and, and then they call him a liar and then he just says i never said i was in your closet and then you pan over mm-hmm. and you can see yeah like you say you can see the other girl's window the whole time in the background and he jumps out of her closet and it's fucking brutal. Like, unlike that Scream 2 even, where we're like, yeah. oh, the wind-up's good, and then the kills are pretty just paltry. Here it's fucking nasty. So Sid hears the screaming, comes running and sees the window, and then she goes to get the cops. But there's no one there, I think? So she goes up to the room, <laughs> and the girl's killed. And this is fucking nasty. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. She's been, she's like, thrown through the window. Her intestines are out. Like, even, even during the, the, the struggle... That wasn't goofy as well. Like the thing that no. I re- that really struck me is like her defending herself, and you see the knife just slice, take a slice out of her hand. Yeah, and like Aww. you never see anything as like brutal or sort of realistic in the other ones because it's always like a goofy fall or a push against something. Whereas yeah. here, it just felt so, yeah, fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it did. F- uh, yeah, feel very fucked up. I mean, it, it went through wince. her hand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it makes and me again, wince. like for me, I'm I'm liking Ghostface because Ghostface doesn't feel clumsy and goofy. This is like a real physicality, like a real kind of at this point anyway that feels very, I don't know, just feels more in control and more sinister, more violent. And again, you feel like he's on a mission. Like there's something to be mm-hmm. proved here, which I really love, and we don't know what it is yet. And then the phone rings, and Sid picks up when she's in this girl's house with her dead body. And yeah, this is where you get it mapped out a little bit. And he just says, welcome home, Sydney. This is a preview of coming events. And I love the bit where he's like, you think this is all about you? You think you're the star? And it's like, it's like, yeah. and I, that, that was a great moment for me. It's like, oh, okay, so what is it actually about? And he seems pissed that she's done well and left Woodsboro, which is definitely like you're saying, Alex, it's all actually mapped out here in how Ghostface is. And I feel in many of the other s- sequels in particular, they're just like, all right, let's let Ghostface basically be, you know, the Jason or the Freddy Krueger. And then at the end, we'll throw in why it all happened. But it doesn't necessarily make sense with how Ghostface mm-hmm. acted. Whereas with this one, yeah, it's all there. Like, it makes sense with what he's saying. And that fucking line at the end of it when he goes, I'm going to slit your eyelids in half so you don't yeah. blink when I stab you in the face. Fucking great. I love it. Uh, so that's kill three. Kill three. And then, yeah, and what's even better, you go for that, you got this fucking great twist with this the other closet. You got this great kill scene. You got that great reveal to Sydney and then that fucking terror- terrifying line. And then Jill turns up and then Ghostface just fucking turns up. And it's in great old, true to the old form of screen movies where you think, okay, he's winding up to a slow burn with Nave, Nave Campbell. And then, nope, just immediately goes straight for her in the same scene yeah. that he's basically being revealed. But yeah, they managed to like get away from it. But love it. Love everything about all, all of these elements in this scene. Yep. And they keep calling Sydney the angel of death because wherever she goes, people die. So, it's maybe. true. And again, like it's that's true. sort of... 
was then playing for me of yeah for me there was like oh are they playing that intention of could could there's sydney be involved in something now yeah definitely yeah no i never thought she was involved in anything I, never, I did the first I time I was watching this. I really hoped. I really did still hope. But the first time I was watching, I was like, "This, yeah, maybe we're gonna get that Sydney psyche broken." Eleven years later, could have happened, you know. Um, did you guys ever feel so? The one thing that I was thinking was, is Gail gonna be Ghostface because she needs a new story? <laughs> no, like she was no, so desperate did. for a new story. I there was like that crossed my mind at one point. I was like, eh, that could be interesting. Yeah, kills Dewey. I don't no. think. I mean, yeah, they could have done it, I guess, but I never could have taken Gale or Dewey as Ghostface seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, Trevor, the boyfriend, has to turn up at the end here again, echoing the first film, just yeah. to make you think, oh, it's got to be the boyfriend. Yeah. So Dewey, grilling those cops who weren't there. Uh, there's this throwaway line where they're like, "Oh, we were chasing him," but I mean, I guess one of the other Ghostface was leading them away from what was going to happen. Uh, they say like he was like a ghost. Oh, stupid. <laughs> but I don't understand this at all because they say he's leading us away. He was like a ghost and then suddenly he was like back there. So you're, at this point, I remember watching the first time, I was like, oh, okay, there's two killers. But we know one of the killers is in the scene. Mm-hmm. Not in Ghostface Garb. So that means there's only one Ghostface doing these things. So it doesn't make sense if one led them away and then is back at the house killing the girl. Ooh, my head just exploded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. <laughs> they say one leads them away, one then kills the girl while they're being led away, but we yeah. are with Jill throughout this scene. So there's only one person who could be Ghostface. Mm. Like, so, who could have been Ghostface in that scene. So it doesn't make sense how they could have been led away. And, but anyway, there was mm. a point where there was going to be actually another killer in this film, but we'll get to when we Ooh. get to the end. And maybe mm. this is left over from that. So the two film geeks, Charlie and webcasting dude, uh, girls offering to team up with them. She's saying that she'll come to the cinema club with Sydney if they help her because she needs insight. Is that what she's looking for? Insight into who they think might be the murderers? Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love Gail's attitude with these teens, but it's very much goes back to what you were saying about it feels like older generation writing this and it feels very much yeah a dig at teens at this point yeah definitely but i thought she also wants to go there because she thinks that one of them might be the killer Mm. oh you think she suspects them yeah you suspecting either of the nerds at this point i mean Mm. yeah the nerds and the boyfriend and the deputy yeah i feel like (laughs) everyone's a suspect aren't they but at the end, Everyone's Gail tells the kid to turn the fucking thing off. His little webcam. <laughs> it just looks so stupid. It's, oh, it's such a shame. Yeah. All right, so Sydney gets out of Dr. Checkup. Her PR's all excited as they want to lock her into three more books, but Sydney asks if she's even read a book. And she says, I thought I'd wait for the movie. So she's a book tour's over. And then fires her. Good old Sid. Doesn't care about money. Just nah. cares about... She did like the day before when she wanted money enough to go to Woodsboro on the day of the anniversary of the murders. But now that people are dying again, doesn't care about money. So Community Glow Girl heads down to her car while talking to herself with all of her thoughts. So weird, right? (laughs) Especially in the elevator, just seemed, I don't know, not normal. Oh, it's bad writing where it's like, yeah, she's just like, uh, 
Just every thought that she could be having, she's got to say it out loud. And so the problem with Sydney is she never gets laid. I know. Or has a drink. And I was just thinking to myself, like, how would I, how, if like I had to do that, like, how would I do that to make it better? Like, I don't even know. You couldn't. It's a bad idea. <laughs> and she's using her keys to bleep the car. And then her phone rings. And of course, it's Ghostface asking for Sydney. And then he tells her that you are the message and says, if you want to be in the hospital, I'll be happy to put you there in the Ooh. fucking morgue. Yeah. Again, just tinges of desperation at the end of each line, but yeah, 50% of it works for me, 50% doesn't. Mm-hmm. But we're getting proper set pieces again, which I like, or at least attempts at them, you know? Much better kills than part three, maybe even two. And this is, yeah, you remember like the garage set piece, yeah, that bedroom closet set piece, like they have an idea for each kill scene, which I like. And she's running back to the lift, but the door is locked and he just fucking butchers her. Yeah, and the bit, the bit that I thought was just so great so unsettling and creepy was after he stabs her he just like he rests his face like on her shoulder or next to her like and there's just kind of like this stillness as she's like gurgling and Mm -hmm. and slowly going down and it was just really really unsettling like just Mm -hmm. to to, to stay there yeah yeah it's cool so Dewey's telling the press when Gail, sorry, talking to the press when Gail turns up and she's now in full on investigator press mode again, grilling him. Um, and she says the, mur- the killings seem to be following the patterns of the original Woodsboro murders. What does that even mean? As in people are dying? <laughs> Getting stabbed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, they're not doing it in like, it's not like the other one where they're doing it with the names or whatever. It's just, yeah, people are dying. Um, and then Community Glow Girl falls onto the divan. And Gail, Gail tells Dewey she's got a lead that they should really fucking team up. Um, I do like we're getting some original, like Marco Beltrami's gone back to that original Scream score. We're getting some of that, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. When we head back to the school, I feel like I'm back in Scream 1. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now we're at the cinema club where the geeks are running it and Sid has just come as a guest. And you're not entirely sure to begin with what's going on in this scene for me. I was like, I don't know why they're there, but Sid's just decided to be interviewed by these nerds. Where he's all excited and says, beyond Jamie Lee Curtis, you are the ultimate guest to get. Uh, which again, more Halloween nods. So the nerds say the one component the killer is missing is if you want to keep up to date, he should be filming his kills and uploading them. <laughs> yeah, they use the, uh, I said it before, Scream Make and Shriekful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would be less of a sequel, more of a Scream Make. Which I kind of like. It's dumb. It's dumb enough, I mm-hmm. believe it would be said by kids and yeah you need okay so you need an opening sequence that blows the doors off and kills that are more extreme and i would say so far i mean i don't know about blows the doors off it was a cute fun you know enjoyable opening sequence but the kills are definitely more extreme and i do think the opening was cool did Mm -hmm. you say extreme or extreme i think you said extreme extreme (laughs) 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 yeah all right (laughs) i'm part of the problem (laughs) And then he says, the only sure way to survive a modern horror movie, you pretty much have to be gay. Which, right. I don't know about that rule. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never about heard that. about that rule. I was rule. trying to think of, I was trying to think of any reference where that was, where that was true. Yeah. I don't think so. I couldn't. But, <laughs> all right. I do feel the rules are a little bit, I mean, yeah, I think that, I think it's messy because this is messy. Like this film is, is a sequel and it is a remake. So the rules are really are messy. Some of them I think they nail. Some definitely don't have that conciseness that the old ones had. But yeah, these are rules everybody knows. So it is a bit messier. But 
Yeah, going to the gay thing, if there's one thing horror films do, it's they don't discriminate against who gets killed. No. <laughs> no, they don't. Friday the 13th Part 2 in 1981, I think it was, or 1982, killed a guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, it's just... There you go. I don't give a shit. They do say, though, there's going to be a guaranteed party in the third act, and let's hope for some nudity for a change. With spoilers, no nudity. I remember when I was watching this in the cinema, cinema and thought, okay, they're actually going to go through with the nudity in this one, but maybe they'll subvert it and it'll be like, yeah, a guy's butt or something like that. But no, nothing. No, no male or female nudity. Disappointing. Mm. Yeah. When uh, they Gail tell the, what? yeah, Gail says, where is this circle jerk taking place? <laughs> yeah. Given the kid's attitude. I love it. <laughs> She's so good. <laughs> Yeah, they said they're doing Stabathon. All seven stabs, they do it every year. Presumably not before part seven was made. I'm with you, Alex. I want to see these stab movies very badly. Mm-hmm. Sid tells them they need to call it off. And he's like, well, there's got to be other... It's Friday night. Got to be other parties going on in town. We can't... Yeah, you want to fucking Stabathon. It's to do with fucking murders, you idiot. Yeah, I mean, uh, who would go? Yeah. Nobody. Apparently everybody. Again... And we have to. We uh, have to say, kid. There's. We have to. What we have. What the real issue is is here, and it's clearly generational. Is that there's a parenting problem in Woodsboro, because when, yeah. the, shit, when yeah. the shit goes down, parents just all fucking go out of town. They're all at conventions. No one's looking after their kids. Murders are happening in your school. <laughs> you don't let your kids go to a fucking party the next night that's themed around the murders. <laughs> Doesn't happen. <laughs> Oh boy. Ridiculous. I kind of believe the, like, the first film, you let them get away with it because you're like, okay, it's, you know, there's a curfew at least and most of the kids leave for the curfew to have this early party and then just the rebels sort of stay up. But this one's like, no. This is every kid in Woodsboro and neighboring towns. There's so many people when we get to this party. But Charlie won't tell Gail the address and Trevor still looking very, very pissed off. Very, like, it's just such a suspicious look. You can just imagine directing those shots. You're like, we need a pickup of you looking suspicious. He also looks like a video game character with like his perfect haircut and his sort of angular face. I enjoy, what's his name? The guy played Billy Loomis more, but I have to say this guy's probably better actor. Like Billy Loomis has some terrible, terrible bits of acting. But this guy just has one of those faces where I just don't like looking at him. Jill's all bummed out. Because she's got police watching over her and she feels like she's under house arrest, right? Yeah. Fucking police. <laughs> Sid's hanging out with her saying, I know how you feel. I like this line. I like this whole bit. She's like, you know, people always say, I know how you feel. Well, I know how you feel. And again, she delivers it really well. Mm-hmm. And Jill seems a little awkward. So how do we feel about it? Because we haven't like, we do have an ensemble. We've got a lot of people. It's spoilers. Jill's, you know, going to end up integral in all of this. But... Are we getting enough of it where you don't feel any suspicion towards Jill? She seems a little awkward and nice in this scene. I didn't feel... I really didn't suspect her. But I was like, I mean, come on, guys. Like, you are you just watched your friend get gutted and it was like nothing. You yeah. know? It's like, oh, but I really want to go to the party. I don't, why, why do I have to be in <laughs> house arrest? Mm. It's like your friend just got gutted in front of you. So... Yep. I, but then that's how these movies are. It's like... People don't really, doesn't seem to really affect people that much. Yeah, that's it. No. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's hard to know who to suspect when people don't act like people do in real life. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
She does say she couldn't handle all the attention that Sid had, so this is definitely trying to like throw the red herring in of the opposite of how it ends up. Mm-hmm. And then Sid thinks that she sees someone in the house, which I like that the plot. There's no ghost face creeping through the woods in the background like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. We actually have like a little shadow moving, which is kind of cool. Charlie rings Jill from Stabathon. Turns out Trevor's <laughs> turned up. But it's in a huge Friday 13th Part 3 style barn, which I like. I think that's a nod to that film. Uh, there are tons of teens everywhere. Did you Fucking guys Halloween. notice uh, there's like a shot, I think, when Gail arrives from the outside and there's this really cool ghost face poster where the face is, like it's on white, but the ghost face is made with blood splatter. Did you guys notice that at all? Oh, no, I didn't notice that. No. I'll see if I can find it online. I thought it looked really, really cool. I thought, actually, I was watching some making of footage behind the scenes and I thought I saw that, but I thought it was, I didn't realize it was in the film. That's cool. We'll see if I can find uh, it. Yeah, I mean, this is like, I wish people threw stuff like this. <laughs> this is such an amazing event <laughs> that they're doing. <laughs> like, I wish my school had anything like this. But yeah, Gail's already there. She puts on a ghost face mask and tries to blend in while doing a dance that can only remind me, I don't know if you guys know the episode of Friends where she puts the turkey on her head. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> to try and cheer up Chandler and then dances just like this. <laughs> and then she just starts putting these fucking enormous cameras yeah. everywhere. <laughs> They're so big. How on earth would people not notice these huge fucking cameras? Again, 2011. It was only seven years ago. Surely there were smaller cameras in 2011 than these, right? Yeah, well, I mean, later on, when she finds she's being filmed, she's being filmed by a small webcam. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Did they just bring the wrong stuff from the prop department? You know, it's like... Or maybe it's like, uh, you know, she's just out, out of date. So it's like she's bringing this, like, old oh, bulky equipment. Man. She don't know no better. Because she's old. Look stupid. Because she old. Because <laughs> she old. <laughs> it was really stupid. No, I don't know. The excuses you make, you know, to believe something. Charlie and the web streaming dude come out to introduce their third annual Stabathon. You got to take a drink when someone can't use their cell phone. You got to take a drink when someone shuts the refrigerator and then there's a her person standing behind it. And you got to take a drink when someone shouts, no, I think. <laughs> I don't know, because everyone says it together. I don't really know. It's like, take a drink when everyone shouts. And you go, nah. I was like, are they saying no? And then Stab begins. And this time we actually get the credits and we get directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Who, as we covered previously, <laughs> did shoot most of those scenes for the Stab movies. I love that. It's great. Yale's putting a camera up in the loft mezzanine for some reason. And we get to see some of that Heather Graham opening scene. I was glad like they went back, had it. I was hoping we were going to get to see maybe some footage they didn't show last time, but no, it's all the same stuff. And then Gail heads out to her car to watch the CCTV feed, but someone is immediately covering up all of her completely undetectable cameras. No one could ever have noticed. Yeah. I think it's a cool moment, though. I like it. It's played creepy. The music's creepy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you set it up, and you're like, oh, okay, we're going to have a similar thing like this first screen. Yeah. It's like, no, denied straight away. So she rings Dewey and tells him where to go. And then... Ah, fuck, who says this line? Someone says you do a remake to outdo the original. Um, and that, this is where we get that meta line. Where she's like, I don't know, heard some kids saying meta. Yeah. What we've, I, what we've learned is Christina's in the same, same bucket. Christina uh, Weathers. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so Galen says she's going to go and fix her equipment. <laughs> Which you just saw Ghostface or someone dressed as Ghostface. Take away all your cameras. You don't got to fix your equipment. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
It's not like they fell over or there was some like weird static. It's like, no, someone covered them all up. Not someone, the murderer. The murderer. That's true. You guys were previously arguing on Scream 1 that we just didn't get to see the nudity and stab. I'm going to stick by my guns and there is no nudity and scab. There's stab. no nudity, yeah. Could we get to see it here a lot more in context? And there's no nudity, but everyone's cheering as if you get to see nudity. Mm-hmm. No one in the history of the world, A, you go to cinema, people don't cheer when there's nudity. <laughs> Doesn't that? I go to like crazy horror festivals. You cheer when there's blood and violence. You don't cheer when there's nudity unless it's stupid and fun and goofy. I guarantee you no one has ever cheered because we have a shot of someone's ankles with a towel falling to the floor. <laughs> 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 Never happened. So Gail's up in the mezzanine, the crowd are repeating the lines of the film, and because of that, they can't hear what's going on. And then Dewey finds Gail's car, sees her fixing one of the cameras on that CCTV feed, uh, but there's another camera, so she walks to it, holding her camera facing behind her. So he's getting to see, basically, Ghostface approaching her as she's going to fix this other camera. And then Ghostface wrestles her to the ground, and we get a big old fight between Ghostface and Gail. And then Dewey comes in, shoots at him, Terrible uh, as he stabs her once for a sheriff. He needs to go back to the shooting sheriff, range. Man. Yeah, missed completely. Several completely times. Completely missed. But yeah, she gets stabbed. We don't think Gail's dead though, do we? No. Nah. I was really in that cinema. I was like, this film's fucking cool if we set it up and then Gail's just taken out. Like I would have mm. been very happy. No. Yeah, there was a part of <laughs> me that like thought that to was going to happen. Um, sort of going into it and knowing. Or you saying that this was originally intended to be the beginning of a new trilogy? I thought, okay, well, they're definitely going to kill off some of the old cast in this. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they would, but I'm glad they didn't. I thought she has to be like, you know, the Harrison Ford of Force Awakens. Yeah. Like, you need some of the old guard to die, and then we can keep some of the old guard for the next film, and then they gradually just keep passing that torch. No, I was disappointed. I felt like we needed something abrupt like that here. But we do have the revelation where she says to Dewey, he's recording the murders this time. He's making the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Love how dramatic she is. Like, you're bleeding out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson, those two cops, saying how it sucks to be a cop in the movies as they normally die. And then Anthony Anderson says, I'll be right back. And then it's like, oh, shit. Why did I say that? So Adam Brody goes, don't worry, I'll go. And they're like, well, maybe, maybe you'll be the one to die because it's a new decade. New rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sid's making tea as Adam Brody is making a round. He sees Jill's window is open. He calls it through to Perkins, but Perkins isn't replying. Adam Brody gets stabbed as Perkins calls him rookie. I mean, I just really don't understand. Like, if there was a murderer after me, I wouldn't be just, like, hanging out by myself, making tea, fixing the fucking wind chimes. Oh, that wind with, chime's like, ridiculous. With, like, my niece who's probably going to get killed just upstairs, like, in a separate yeah. room. Like, not even in the same room. You know what I no. mean? Like... And I wouldn't, like... I wouldn't be going to get groceries. No. No, you'd home fuck? alone that house. You would set up traps everywhere. Yeah. You'd be sitting with a fucking shotgun yeah. facing the front door. No, it wouldn't happen. Yeah, the fact she goes outside to check this wind chime is so stupid. Stupid. So stupid. Anyways, that's it. But I do like the two cops when they're talking in the car. They're talking about like different cops and how cops always die. And Danny's saying, well, no, they only die if they're like on their last day before retirement or if they're the rookie. 
but we don't know that Adam Brody's a rookie until he's about to die, and then the cop calls him, all right, rookie, and then he gets stabbed. Yeah. Like, mm. immediately. I thought that was pretty cool. And then, okay, so this is a weird bit. I want to know how you guys feel about this. Ghostface stabs Perkins in the oh head. Oh, God, that was the worst. <laughs> he gets out of the car, starts walking while the blade is in his head. He's swiping it like thin air. Ghostface is just watching him. And then he falls over saying, fuck Bruce, fuck Bruce Willis. <laughs> We're just talking about Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about this? Because there's a reason, there's a story behind this. The stab, I feel like, was the worst stab in the movie, and it really grossed me out. But you the mean worse as the nastiest or as in yeah, bad? Yeah, the nastiest. Okay. It's just, no, not in the head. Come <laughs> on, guys. <laughs> And then, uh, I don't know, the Bruce Willis thing, like, I didn't laugh. I didn't think it was funny. Okay. Alex? That's all. I really, yeah, I liked this whole sequence. Yeah, I thought the kind of, like, the blood pouring out him just suddenly being disorientated and, like, always short-circuiting. I loved, again, the physicality of Ghostface just standing there watching, not moving, and does this sort of, like, little kind of, like, Chewy-style head tilt. I thought the line at the end was unnecessary, though. The Bruce Willis line. I think like yeah, just the I'm, mumbling, like incoherent mumbling and disorientation was cool. Didn't need the line because that bit was already, I loved it. Yeah, I'm with Alex. Uh, like, So this is actually Wes Craven, I believe, put this in. He had heard this true story about someone who'd got stabbed in the head and, and had uh, kept moving for a, few, a whole bunch of seconds afterwards. And it was so chilling to him. He wanted to put it into film and he did. And he didn't tell the producers he was doing it. And he genuinely thought it was going to have to be cut from the movie because it would be too nasty. But he managed to get away from it. Because again, we're in a torture porn era. He gets to finally make the scream if he wanted to. We see the guts. Exactly. Yeah, we see yeah. when someone gets stabbed in the head. Yeah, the fuck Bruce Willis line at the end ruins it for me. But I love the scene up until then. I love the quiet. There's no music really. And I love mm-hmm. seeing Ghostface. You're saying in a chewy way, but like for me, it's just classic slasher. Like it's classic Michael Myers, classic Jason Voorhees. Just the head tilt is very Michael Myers. It's really chilling. And it's, yeah, just that dumb line at the end that ruins it. Yeah, it really but, does. It really does. Which again, for me, I'm going to blame all those lines. Kruger coming in and doing rewrites, <laughs> even though they probably were all Kevin Williamson. I'm going to pretend he wrote nothing wrong. <laughs> so Sid's aunt comes home with shopping. Like you say, Christina, what the fuck? Immediate what the suspect, fuck? right? Yeah. I'm thinking. I mean, no. I just I didn't <laughs> think she was a suspect. I was just like, this is dumb. Like your Jesus. daughter is like, you know, probably gonna get murdered and you're going shopping. She definitely seems like she has something else to say. You feel like, all right, she might not be the murderer, but she's gonna play an integral part in some way because she's kind of floating in and out. You're forgetting she exists. She's an actor yeah. that I knew at least. Yeah. And me too. That line about being the sister, you're like, oh, wow, Sydney's mother, who is all, this has all been about Sydney's mother up until now. She had a sister. So there's got to be something else familial that makes it, you know, tie in. But no, she's fucking killed in this scene. And I find I it very strange. Very strange. So the phone rings is Ghostface. And he says, your one and only skill is to be a survivor. But what good is that if everyone around you is dead? Which again, I think these are cool. I like these lines. And he tells her to turn on the TV. There's friends count, but it's the family ties that cut deep. So then she runs to check on Jill, but she's not there. She sees on a laptop <laughs> that she's been talking in this huge font. Yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> Kirby. <laughs> so she goes down and tells her mother, and then goes place. We see him in the reflection of the wind chime. Yeah. Weird. Those damn wind chimes. 
<laughs> yeah. Sid and the mother fight back, but the mother is stabbed through the door flap pretty quickly. Pretty cool. And she was just acting so weird. It's just so weird. I don't know what's going on. Kill seven. Kill seven. Very strange. And then the deputy turns up. Fucking lemon squares. Sid seems suspicious, but decides to show her the movie anyway. Shows the, movie? the movie? Wait, shows what? it what? <laughs> shows what her uh, the dead body. Sorry. Yeah. And yeah. then she, <laughs> she escapes, basically. Deputy, you're here. Sneaks Let's off. watch Stab together and eat some lemon squares. <laughs> Weirdo. Uh, I write down weird things in my notes sometimes. So Sid, though, steals the car and just fucking goes. So now Sid's looking suspicious to everyone else and not to me. This is the moment watching it the first time. I was like, okay, it's definitely not Sid. Because this is the moment where everyone else then is going to become suspicious of her. Because it's murders mm-hmm. in the house and she's taking a car and just run. Yep. Jill... It's hanging out with the two geeks and Kirby. What they're saying in the remake, the party is the false ending. We've got new rules that have been faking us. That's not where it's going to happen. Charlie goes to put on stab seven, which you would not fucking do. No, it's somebody just got murdered at your party. Okay, now let's go back to another house and continue watching the movies. Again, Ridiculous. where are the parents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've come home We're at Kirby's from, house, right? from an event where someone had... Ch- been like there was an attempted murder yeah yeah well kirby you know this is why kirby dresses so grown up she looks after herself she's fine and i will also add that uh, rory colgan's hair in this end (laughs) last act goes on to another level it's just like so (laughs) i don't know like a medieval prince he didn't bother me i didn't notice it it's insane it's (laughs) insane (laughs) All right, so Kirby is even fucking cooler than you thought she was because she's into Suspiria. She's into Don't Look Now. She's into classy 70s horror movies. There's a remake of Suspiria coming out later this year. I'm very excited about. Yeah, she's, she's I mean, she's ridiculous. She's like fan perfect. <laughs> she's very attractive. She's very strong. And then she's really into cool horror movies. And Charlie's all about her. And then it turns out she's all about Charlie, which I don't know if I noticed until this scene, really. And I certainly don't believe but I'm going to have to go with it, I guess. Can you believe Charlie? Can you believe, sorry, Kirby would be into Charlie as much as she is? No, I, mean, I don't I, know. I just, I went with it too. Yeah, I went with it, but it, it was like... It looked weird. I never, I don't know. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention earlier, but it just didn't, it was sort of like weird and out of the blue for me. It's just too, I mean, I'm all for like, sure, you know, you know, you don't have to just have hot people with hot people and nerds with nerds and whatever, but like, She's so fucking beautiful, and he's just so <laughs> weird. He does have the hair. <laughs> he does have the hair she's missing, so maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> the equation of relationships. <laughs> Trevor turns up. He says, Jill invited him. Jill says, I didn't text you, but she left her phone in Kirby's car, so she just goes to look for it, and everyone lets her. <laughs> she's like, oh, where do I leave my phone? And then just walks off. Everyone just lets her just go searching for a fucking phone outside. Yeah, but then she finds it upstairs. Well, yeah, I mean, and we know why, because she's off dressing up as Ghostface running around doing yeah. her thing. But if you're her friends, you don't fucking let the girl who's under police protection and has snuck out from police protection to come to hang out at your house just go wandering off into the dark looking for a phone. Yeah, I know. It's stupid. This is a screen slasher film. Going with it. Going with it. 
Trevor does, to be fair, go after her. And that's when you definitely wouldn't let her go off on her own. When you think, because people are thinking maybe it is Trevor. He's yeah. clearly suspicious. You know, don't let him fucking be the only one to go after her. It's ridiculous. The deputy phones Dewey to tell him the cops are dead. Jill is missing. The mother is dead. And Sid fled the scene. Dewey is not being a good sheriff. <laughs> it's all he's not. Apart. He's really let this get out of control. His face when she's telling him this list of stuff is fantastic. It's like, both of the cops are dead. Jill is missing. The mother is fucking dead. Sid has just run off and stolen a car. And also, I thought she was like five minutes away from the party. The other big party. Like a long time ago. Yeah, she should have been. Love it. (laughs) He just looks so like... (laughs) She starts freaking out. So they're watching the opening of this very film, Scream 4, because they're watching, of course, Stab 7, which starts inside Stab 6. Oh, well, and I'm waiting to see, okay, what happens? Because in our film, when Stab 7 revealed itself to be Stab 7, we then went into Scream 4. I wanted to see what actually happens in the real Stab 7. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Yep. Very confused. We want to see these fucking movies. I think is the I point. I want to see these movies. And I want to know, because if, you, if Stab 6 had come out and then Stab 7 comes out and it begins with the beginning of Stab 6, then you know... That it's not the movie you're watching. So did they bring out Stab 6, but it's secretly it's actually Stab 7? Because that's the only way you could pull that over people's faces. Oh, what? We should totally do that. Which is the series <laughs> they want to do that with? There's a series that's happening right now. Oh, no, it's Deadpool. Would they want the next Deadpool to be Deadpool 4? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to skip 3 and really confuse people. <laughs> What's going on? They're watching, yeah, they're watching the movie. Webcam Geek goes outside. He's pretty drunk. And we hear Kirby invite Charlie to sit next to her. Um, and then he, he knocks into a plant pot and gets his camera reversed. So we're thinking, okay, they're going to pull the same thing as they did before, right? right? Now he's streaming out. Again, he's streaming out to people. I'm waiting the first time I'm watching this movie for the public to get involved. Because I'm thinking that's the difference, right? We're talking about this new generation online all the time. He's streaming this entire film. Mm-hmm. The public have to get involved at some point, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, maybe a whole bunch of fans of their Hall Pass show are going to turn up at the end, you know, and save the day. Yeah, and I mean, they're also already, they've also already set up the idea that Ghostface is streaming these murders. Yeah. But then there's no... Well, Aaron, is, is Ghostface streaming or is he just recording them and then going to edit it together later? I couldn't tell. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Because yeah, the problem know. I have with the end of the film, I think at some point they dropped that line about we're going to edit it together or something. Yeah. And then release it online. She's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> From hospital. <laughs> Gonna secretly edit together this fucking snuff film. Imagine that, the last stage on a laptop in the hospital. What are you, uh, what are you cutting together there? Uh, nothing, just a sex tape. Uh, yeah, so um, Kirby tells Charlie now would be a good time to make a move. And then Trevor comes back saying he can't find Jill and then interrupts the mood. But Jill just went upstairs. Webcam geek wandering around, gets killed by Ghostface. She starts saying he's gay. There's yeah. rules to this. <laughs> Again, I think Ghostface should just... Yeah, no, that's not a rule. <laughs> Name one movie. Yeah. Kirby thinks she hears something. She's just like, honestly, in this bit, I've got it written down here. She's acting everyone else out of the fucking room. I think she's great. This yeah, whole section. she's really, really great. Jill turns up saying she's found her phone and no one texted Trevor. Uh, Kirby says Trevor went upstairs, but he's not. We've got all this sort of, you know, who's, who's it going to be? They're really trying to do it right in terms of, you know, getting people out of the rooms at the right time so that you can be guessing who is doing these killings, who has the opportunity. 
who's not in a room and who's not covered, you know. And Sid turns up and then webcam boy, dead. Ghost face begins to chase. We do have this, uh, he's like stumbling on the steps, isn't he? When he's like dead and all bloodied and stuff. It's pretty cool. So Sid gets Jill to go under the bed. Ghostface breaks in and then Sid pretends to be talking to Jill from the roof of the house like she just like got her off. Good acting. Which when you know when you know the ending of this film is just really embarrassing for Sid. When you think of Jill just like she's one of the killers and they're just listening to Sid pretend to talk to her. Yeah, that is pretty funny. <laughs> Dignity out the window. <laughs> and then she leads Ghostface around the roof on a roof chase and then rings Dewey. She's on 329 Whispering Lane. I meant to look that up to see if that's a reference to anything, but I don't know. It's an interesting name. But Sid just manages to get away. She falls down to the ground, re-enters the house, and then she finds Kirby, and they hide in the basement together. And that's when we get Charlie up at the door, trying to get in. He's got blood on his hand. She starts freaking out. Says, no, 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 it's not. So it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Sid tells Kirby. She says to Kirby, do not open the door if you can't trust him. And I really like this scene. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, were you suspecting Charlie at this point? I was, but then I was like, oh, no, you should let him in. You know? It's painful watching her, like, just like, yeah. a, no, I can't let him in, I can't let him in. And then you just see Ghostface appear and grabs Charlie. Yeah, she did yeah, so and you're good like, there. Oh, fuck. So. And Dewey, meanwhile, is driving like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does the most over-exaggerated U-turn I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Fantastic. Why do people always have to be driving in the opposite direction of the, where they need to be in movies? Yeah. What's that about? Why can't someone ring them up and go, you got to get here quick? And go, well, that's great, because I'm already headed that way. Yeah. <laughs> they always have to be headed in the opposite way, direction. And then we get a recreation of Scream 1, tie, uh, tying Charlie up mm-hmm. outside the doors. Same yep. gag. And Ghostface rings up Kirby while Sid sneaks out, and Kirby starts answering these questions. Love it. Ask what the first slasher film is, Peeping Tom. Yeah, little trick question there. I actually just remembered, this is like rewinding a, a few minutes, but there's actually a really cool shot when Ghostface is looking over the roof while Sydney's hanging. Just the lighting on Ghostface. Yeah. Is really, I'm not really sure cool. You yeah. Yeah. No, Ghostface definitely is like way more imposing in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, name the remake. Uh, yeah, then he starts saying, name the remake of the groundbreaking and... Kirby just goes off on a huge list of every single remake that had come out up until 2011, pretty much. And I love it. Because, yeah, we've got this twist on the first one, but Kirby fucking knows her shit. She's no Drew Barrymore. Does all the remakes, and then he just goes quiet. So she thinks she got it right. I knew that was wrong. <laughs> Kirby don't go out there. Well, again, we don't know. She might have got it right. I, this is what I'm saying. I don't no, think there's a way I out. No, I feel like she got it right, but I feel... Right. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. It's a trick. And when nobody came out, I knew something was up, you know, like when, when he was yeah, still yeah, there yeah. alive and I was like, oh boy. Well, what kind of an ending would it be? It'd be fucking great. It's like, oh, you got it right. And then you just, all right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Ghostface just goes away. Yeah. And that's the end. These kids are too clever for me. I'll move I on to need... another town. <laughs> I'll go back to Hollywood. <laughs> Jesus, please don't. <laughs> Ghostface goes quiet. She thinks she got it right. Sid's looking for Jill, but she's gone. And then Kirby goes out to free Charlie. And fucking stabs her. Four years of classes together and you notice me now? In no world. <laughs> I don't care how crazy Charlie is, how much he wants to make a snuff movie, how into Jill he is. There's no world where that dude turns down Kirby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who cares <laughs> well, he's if he had with, to wait that he's long? He's with Jill. 
Yeah, but fuck that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he's clearly really into Kirby. They're clearly meant to be together. Like, they're both in all the same shit. And yeah, she's not a psycho. Yeah, but he's under Jill's, uh, you know, spell. I find it hard to believe. I think there would be some real hesitation here. But it is a good twist. I did not suspect Charlie the first time I watched this movie. Have you cottoned onto Jill yet since she's disappeared? Or no. you think she's... Nope. Yeah. No, but I was like, it's kind of weird that like Ghostface isn't more like after Jill. Like, where is she? Yeah. He leaves Kirby just bleeding out as Sid comes downstairs and then Sid runs into Charlie and then the second va- Ghostface immediately and no big warm up to it. Mask off. It's Jill. Okay. So, these are our two killers. Alex has got problems. <laughs> well, no. So my, my issue here is, is that... The thing I've really enjoyed about Ghostface in this film is how they're using his physicality. Like, Ghostface has such a real uh, imposing and menacing presence in this. Yeah, it's just way more violent, seems bigger than everyone. But the moment I find out it's these two who are quite small people as far as height and physique and frame, it broke it a little bit for me. I did feel, although I did like the twist and it did surprise me, I felt a little bit disappointed just because those two things didn't overlap for me like the physicality of Ghostface up. and the people that were that were him yeah yeah i can understand that yeah they don't even have you know the jock boy who's doing you know half of the heavy lifting or anything in this mm-hmm. like it's and she she is so petite like she's so tiny yeah the stature just wouldn't look the same i kind of yeah. take it with a grain of salt of whenever it's Ghostface again i think i feel like they want Ghostface to be this jason Voorhees, to be this michael myers but then mm-hmm. the twist is, you know, it's someone else. And you just kind of have yeah, to go yeah. with it. Like when it's Ghostface, it's Ghostface, you know? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense. Like they wouldn't be able to do half the things they do unless they stand on each other's shoulders. And, and just, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> as like a, a comical uh, tall, tall person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Getting tickets at NC-17 movies. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. Well, I'm going to say right here. So they, they map out that, you know, their plan. They're going to make all the footage trace back to Trevor, blame it all on the boyfriend. I like having, you know, it's nice to have a girl in here. And I like that there's a cynical modern teen twist here mm-hmm. to do with they just want to be famous, basically. They're jealous of Nev Campbell's fame. They don't, they're like, who wants to like, everything takes too long to become famous. They're just going to fucking fast track their way to it. And I'm, yeah, this is what I'm going to say right now. I like Charlie so much more in this role than Billy Loomis or Matthew Lillard in the first screen. Like, I, I totally buy his, he's got the fanaticism, he's got the craziness, but he's playing it real. And while, yeah, I might question whether he would kill Kirby so easily and not maybe for a second just go, uh, actually, maybe let's just go off with Kirby instead of all this. Yeah, it works for me way better. Like, I always hate these movies when the masks come off. With this one, I like it because I was never expecting Jill. There's a real reason to be doing this. It's commentating on the era it's been made in. And I think, yeah, Rory Culkin, he's a great actor anyway, but I think he's really good in this final scene. Yeah, and that's it. The thing is, like, when they're revealed is they don't actually really change. There's no change from them as who they are. You, you see the exact same people. It's just that they now reveal their motives. And it's like, oh, cool, that makes sense. It's not like, yeah, Matthew Lillard going, like, ah, I'm, I'm kooky and crazy. Like... <laughs> Rory Culkin just plays it still the same, but he like has these desires and motivations, and and it's almost like heartbreaking when 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 then uh, when Jill turns on him, and he's like, "Whoa, what the fuck!" Like, yeah, and it's not again in this sort of like 
hammy over the top way. Was it heartbreaking or heart stabbing? <laughs> Very good. Crickets. Very good. <laughs> I feel it though. I feel the blade. Like, yeah, I feel like I watch a lot of slasher films and rarely do I wince at a knife, but in this film I do. Like, mm. the, the stabbings feel brutal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she shoots Trevor in the balls and then the head. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And G- I mean, Jill's, yeah, it's Sydney and she's saying Charlie is the new Randy. And then saying it's not like anyone reads anymore, so they can't write a book about it. They've got to have made a movie. And Charlie kisses her. Does this time Randy gets the girl? Aww, but he doesn't. <laughs> nope, does not. Uh, I also, I'll, I really liked, I liked this twist a lot, and I thought it was also really well acted. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited, and the reason is so good. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It really is. It, it really makes sense, and again, it's what Scream should be doing, commentating on stuff, you know. And it's interesting, like, it made me think that, like, that idea of, of internet, being internet famous and YouTube famous, it seems so yeah. prevalent now. Like, it's so obvious. There's so many people that are doing it, and, like, Recently, I think it was last year, there was a story about this couple that wanted to be YouTube stars and their boyfriend got his girlfriend, pregnant girlfriend, to shoot him. Like he put a, a thick book because he believed that the bullet wouldn't penetrate this thick, thick book. Oh, and yeah. And it obviously yeah. did and it killed him. And it's <gasps> like, and I was thinking of that and like these kind of things, the lengths people go to and, and how... Yeah, how common it is now. And then thinking of this, this is like in 2011. Like that, I, for yeah. me, thinking back to 2011, that kind of thing hadn't really taken off. Yeah. So I, I kind of yeah. like this film's foresight into that. Yeah. Like, this is where kids mm-hmm. are at. Like this is what's happening. Like I thought that was pretty cool as a choice. Well, they definitely made a good career move if only it went through. Yes. Well, I also like the Sid's not scared here. She's just like, you'll slip. They always do. She just looks mm-hmm. kind of tired of this. She's like, really? This is our fucking, this is who it's, no, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> she just doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Jill just starts stabbing Charlie. Sorry. Yeah, she's meant to be stabbing him. She just kills him. Again, why the fuck would you do these things before you finish the job? Like, <laughs> the killers always just give their motive and then they just start hurting each other or killing each other before they finish doing what they're meant to be doing. Kill Sydney first, kill everybody first, and then kill your partner in crime. They always want to show off. And yeah, and then Jill says, I don't need friends, I need fans. This isn't about killing you. This isn't about, be- sorry, this is about becoming you. Sick is the new sane. <laughs> <laughs> Unsane. She's so good at playing these roles, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Emma's, Emma's Emma better Roberts, at this, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, prefer, I Once she gets to this point, I believe it more than the goody-goody girl. Yeah, same. Just kind of boring for the rest of the yeah, movie, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. This is like, she came out, you know? Um, she says, you don't have to achieve anything these days. You just got to have fucked up shit happen to you. Uh, which I don't know if that's really true, but like you're saying, Alex, yeah, it does get some people famous. But I don't think that's the golden rule is have bad stuff happen to you and you get famous. Like, mm, yeah. But <laughs> it's, yeah. It's one of the ways, I guess. And then she stabs Sid, but only once. Who then plays dead, I think. I don't know. Or she actually bleeds dead. She stabbed her twice. I thought she like oh, passed she? out. She got stabbed in the back. Oh, okay. And then she stabbed her in the stomach or something. Okay, so this isn't Sid being smart and playing dead. She's genuinely no. potentially out. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Because like when Dewey sees her in the hospital later, he says to Jill, like, she's in a critical condition. Yeah, yeah, It's touching yeah, yeah. Well, her. Well, yeah, but she... Recovers from pretty quickly, but we'll get her in a second. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we think it's done, right? Like, we think this is it. Because the music fucking changes, and unlike those other movies, we get the stabs, 
and then we just see her setting everything up like it turns into like we feel like oh the the power of the movie is transitioned over to jill and we're now with her and i remember the first time i saw it i was like this is fucking great i was really like, this yeah. is a kick-ass ending i always hate teenagers but at least there's a reason for it being teenagers this time and yeah neve campbell just killed everybody else just killed and we're now with jill and she's setting everything up for the police who are about to arrive and then she starts fight clubbing herself by hurting herself, pulling her hair out. <laughs> that really always makes me cringe. I don't know why the hair out hurts me more than anything else. <laughs> I don't know why they always, she has to stab herself quite so badly. Like, she's fucking yeah. plunging that knife. I would just, like, you know, do a few just, scars. Just a slice, yeah. Just a little slice. Yeah. Um, and then the police approach, and I love this. She collapses next to Sydney. It's like holding hands. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Quite poetic. I had a feeling, though, that Sydney wasn't really dead. Like, I had a feeling that she was going to come back. Yeah, I had a feeling, but I was hoping that she was dead. So we cut to Jill being wheeled out on a stretcher and the press all over her, like, flashing on her face. I love that shot. Her smiling. I love it. Yeah, she's smiling. They're calling a hero. (laughs) So I remember the first time, this is where I thought it was going to end. I thought that this is it. Yeah. You know? That would have been good. So this isn't where it ends. However... This is where it was meant to end. It was meant to end like this. Um, However, you were going to hear, as she's getting wheeled into the ambulance, Dewey off screen, I believe, saying, wait, like it was going to be some line about Sydney, you know, is still hanging on. Like Sydney might still be alive and people start running. And then you end on Emma's face, like, you know, as she hears that. And then you go to end credits. That was how it was meant (laughs) to end. uh, With a total cliffhanger. And I would have much preferred it. I'm saying it right now. I can happily live with none of what's about to happen and just having to wield it. I would prefer it even more, yeah, if Sid was definitely dead and she's wheeled out as kind of a hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that would have definitely made it uh, another, you know, trilogy. A hundred percent so easily. But yeah. the other way, it's more like, oh, this is probably the last one. Yeah. But again, you could do something really cool. It's like, it's like oh, you wouldn't you fucking expect it. We're actually going to kill them all. Technically, Dewey and Gale are still alive. And then you could start the next one, you know, with Sydney dead. Yeah. And people thinking Jill's a hero and you can find a cool way to twist on that for sure. Yeah. But no, she's in a hospital bed. Dewey's telling her it's okay. Gail's in recovery. Dewey tells her that Sydney is in ICU and just might make it, but she's really fucking tentative. She's hanging on and saying that Sid might not even remember anything because she's been like hurt so much <laughs> and does say she's not awake. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's fucking out of it, which of course Jill's looking all freaked out and is like, well, I want to go see her. And he's like, no, she's in the ICU. She might not even make it. So Jill just gets out of the hospital bed. I mean, she's fucked, isn't she? The moment she gets out of that hospital bed and rips all the stuff out, there's no coming back. Like, you're not going to get away with killing someone At in a hospital. hospital. Yeah. And you, like, ripped out all of your leads, which, you know, they know when you rip those leads out. Yeah. Sneaks through this completely quiet hospital. No one's there to get to Sid. <laughs> there's been a massive, like, massacre. No one's there. No police. <laughs> Dewey's just hanging out with Gail and they very very quickly realise hang on Jill mentioned something to do with uh, oh she had matching wounds with Gail and they realise there's no way Jill could have known that Gail was stabbed in the shoulder yeah oh my god they look at Dewey's face again <laughs> it's brilliant he just goes running off <laughs> so Jill is trying to strangle Sid who my, my remind everybody they didn't know if she was going to make it she might not remember anything she's completely blacked out nope she's fine She's up completely fine. We get the great line as well from Jill when she's trying to strangle him. Says, "Who the fuck are you, Michael Fucking Myers?" Again, calling out to Halloween, even in this one, 
which I appreciate. They fight, which again, I mean, this is a real physical fight as well. Yeah. Considering <laughs> Sydney's meant to be basically dead and in a coma, it seems like. Doing great. Doing great. Doing great. Jill then hides in the closet. Again, another little nod to Halloween and the first film. And then knocks Dewey out with a bedpan. And Dewey was like, what did she hit me on the head with? That'll give him a nice limp next movie. <laughs> you don't want to know, Dewey. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to know. <laughs> and then she takes his gun and goes to kill Sid. And then says, the ending of the movie was supposed to be at the house. This is just silly. And I agree. <laughs> and I think Wes Craven agrees. And I feel everyone agrees. This is, you know, enforced by the studio. Yeah, it feels um, very not how tacked on to it to the end of the movie, doesn't yeah. it? Gail then rushes in. Fucking Deputy Lemon Squares saves her. So she's proved to be useful, <laughs> I suppose. Otherwise, she would have just disappeared. And then Jill kills the deputy while Sid charges some fucking paddles. What do you call these things? The um, defibrillators. Defib- yeah. Defibrillators. I can never say it. I love it when they do this stuff in horror films and no one's meant to notice. Not only that you're still alive walking around, but that you're charging defibrillators right yeah. behind them. Mm-hmm. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, fucking Gail gives a line clear and then Sid frazzles Jill's head. It's <laughs> the, the first rule of remakes don't fuck with the original. <sighs> oh, man. Jill grabs some glass. Sid shoots her. Dead. Deputy's still alive, though, and then faints. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> just stands up. Gives a line of dialogue and then just falls over again. Just as, oh, I'm still good. Oh, yeah. That was, you know. that was bad. The little faint. We, we want her in the fucking sequel, don't we? Oh, Jesus Christ. By the way, <laughs> by the way, worst hospital ever. Not one person has come to investigate gunshots, <laughs> screams, <laughs> defibrillators, anything. And then we cut outside to the press who are talking about Jill Roberts and how the whole world will know her name. Uh, obviously, before they know that she's the villain. Now, I'm going to ask you, this is my question. Obviously, a bit of a muddled ending, not how they wanted it to necessarily be. Cutting to the press here, still talking about a hero because they don't know the twist yet. Is this trying to say, well, the word's already out. She's going to be famous no matter what, because for a brief moment, she was a hero. She'll be remembered, you know, anyway. Like, are they trying to say she kind of won in a weird way? Because she's definitely going to still be remembered as a villain, right? That's how I got it. She got what she wanted anyway. Yeah, I I got it as in like if it did like if she did survive, if Sydney was killed, then she would have gotten ex- like she was a hundred percent right, and she would have gotten exactly what she wanted. But but she's not. I mean, of course she's gonna be like famous, but she's famous for being a villain. But she's famous anyway, yeah. and that's all she really wanted. She wanted to be famous for being a, a hero, but she's still famous for being a villain, and that's yeah, kind of what she wanted in a way. But I thought she wanted to be famous so she didn't have to work or go to college. Well, she doesn't. She's dead. <laughs> In many ways, she kind of has the same sort of wants and needs as, as Cotton in the second one. Like, he wanted fame. That's true. He wanted mm-hmm. recognition. He wanted money. <clears throat> and he had that choice of, like, do I get it by teaming up with the killers or do I get it by saving them and being the hero? And I was like, yeah, he chose the hero. But he Just ended because up we hadn't mentioned wanted. Cotton fucking weary, you had to bring him up, didn't you, Alex? Because <laughs> really, this film, this film is about Cotton's legacy. <laughs> he should have turned up at the end, still alive. 
that's it. We end to pictures of the cast, which is the thing you don't see much in end credits. Don't know if you guys saw these great goofy pictures of every all of the all of the cast. I didn't. <laughs> it's pretty adorable. And there we go, Scream 4. So we did mention there was meant to be another killer at one point. This, I try to ignore this fact, but it was Trevor was meant to be the killer at one point, the boyfriend. Uh... I don't know if he was meant to be a third killer or if it was just meant to be her working with Trevor rather than with Charlie at one point. Mm. I like the Charlie one better. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to sure. kill Trevor count? would have disappointed me. Yes, please, sir. So there's a few interesting things here in the kill count. So if we go, if we include the opening kills from the stab films, we have a total of 13 kills. But if we remove those first three, we have 10, which is exactly the same as Scream 3 and Scream 2. Oh, really? Now, however, those 10 kills don't include Kirby or Jill. Because Wes Craven said that confirmed that there were possible survivors from Scream 4. He said that Kirby Reed, who was stabbed twice by Charlie by the pool, is mm. last seen alive on the ground holding her wound. Oh, really? Yeah. And that Jill, Fuck. who is electrocuted, uh, and yeah, and he confirmed that Jill was dead, who was just electrocuted and shot in the chest. Just, yeah, just electrocuted <laughs> yeah, just and shot shot in, in the chest. Yeah. Yeah. So he confirmed <laughs> them. Off as possible survivors and they're not included oh on the kill list that i found online well don't worry alex we can find out uh what the exact amount of deaths are when we get to scream five doesn't happen so we're never gonna know <laughs> never gonna fucking know god damn it okay well that's yeah confusing so we've got 10 is 10 confirmed kills in 10 film. confirmed yep in film okay but on screen more kills than we're used to in a screen movie at least yes this is the first Scream film to use much more CGI. They actually used a CGI blade for every single knife attack in this movie, which is interesting. No collapsible, wow. retractable knives like you would normally use. It's a CGI blade all the time. I'm normally against that stuff, sort of stuff, but I tell you what, I didn't notice and it got me. It is shinier, which is a CGI trait for sure. I noticed it this time because I knew that fact going in. But yeah, worked well for them. And this was the only Scream movie to date that does not feature Nick Cave's red right hand. I thought so. The bummer. They didn't even, did it have Dewey's theme in it? No, it didn't even have the ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Thank fuck. Thank fuck. Immediately, best scream, just because it didn't have Dewey's fucking theme in it. Okay, so yeah, we did mention Kevin Williamson wanted to make uh, two more. Wes Craven was potentially up for it. Uh, a few things happened. This movie did not make the money that it wanted. It didn't make, it didn't even make double. It, well, it did, sorry. It made only just over double its budget worldwide. Not the, I mean, it's still, you know, that's, I'd be very happy if my movies made double their money back, but not what the Weinsteins are hoping for. Not what anyone was hoping for. Clearly not the boom. The critics had mixed reviews. But uh, then, so the, yeah, they didn't know what they were going to do with it for a while. They were still potentially thinking of bringing it back. And then very sadly, Wes Craven passed away on August the 30th, 2015, to brain cancer at the age of 76. There's a very lovely uh, interview with Kevin Williams. Some people can watch where they talk to him just about a year later about the future of Scream. And he just sort of starts crying when he's talking about Wes and he's all broken up. Sad. Kevin Williamson doesn't really see how they do more without Wes Craven. Niv Campbell, however, has come out and said, look, it would be very, very painful. But she does think that there might be, you know, ways that they could still do uh, future Scream movies. Bob Weinstein, not sure. He's obviously going to do something with the movies at some point in the future. But I, my bet is it will be a full-on reboot. However, 
they did go a different way and they brought out the Scream TV show through MTV, produced by the Weinsteins and executive mm. produced by Wes Craven as well. Wes Craven was involved with the Scream TV show. Was Kevin been Williamson two seasons involved of it? I don't think so. No, no, he wasn't actually. He wasn't involved at all with it. There have been two seasons of it and then it's taken like a year break. It's meant to be coming back later this year. We're going to be talking about it in a wrap up because I'm playing through them right now. What is interesting with that, however, is there's a two season arc and then what I didn't realize until just now is they're basically rebooting the TV show. They've taken a year off and it's coming back as a six episode special with the original Ghostface costume in it because the Scream show does not have the original Ghostface costume. It is a different costume and I'll talk about it next week. But it looks like they're going to be bringing back Scream season three, six episodes, and it'll be more of, you know, a classic Scream experience. Um, Interesting. I don't think will be until October. It was meant to be out in March this year, but I think now it's looking like October. So yeah, Scream went off in a whole bunch of different directions, and we'll look at that next week in a wrap-up episode, where we'll also talk over putting off all these films in order, although there aren't many to put in order with four, but we'll put them in our favorites, the least favorites. We're going to talk over our favorite characters, our favorite killers, our favorite kills, all that fun stuff, and any other stuff to do with media, video games, comics, books. Are we going to talk about what we thought of this film? Now? We are. I'm just letting people know what's happening next week. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Dangling the chain, my friend. The carrot, not the chain. Well dangled. Whatever you're dangling, you dangled well. Thank you. Not the first time I've been told that. Let's see, though, what you guys felt about SCRE4M. And if it had got a Scream 5, what the fuck would you want it to be? (laughs) Um, Christina, let's start with you. I, this is the first time after watching one of the Scream movies where I was kind of scared. Oh. Yeah, so I got that like creepy feeling that I get after scary movies, but I never got that with any of the other Scream movies. So this one was definitely scarier, more gruesome. And I actually didn't love it in the beginning. I started to like it more once the original character started to come, come back in. And then I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Better than I expected it to be. Okay. And I thought the ending was, you know, I thought the twist was really, really great. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it. I guess for if there were to be another one, I don't know. I mean, if Alex, I don't know if it's, if they are still alive, then then I guess it would, it would, you know, be, I really don't know what to expect. Who fucking knows? I don't know. I'm not even going to guesstimate. Do you want to know the old characters back here? Is that the thing? That's, that seems to be what's important to you. Keep the old characters. I like how every, everything has been like, you know, like a continuation of the one before. So I, I prefer that whether instead of it starting off as like a brand, like a, you know, brand new thing. Mm-hmm. As long as Matthew Lillard is there as a cameo in the background somewhere, you're fine. That's fine. And if, you know, if What's-His-Name came back, I wouldn't be mad. Dempsey. Yeah. Fuck off. That is the big question. <laughs> Where is Dempsey in all of this? What I thought they did a pretty good job. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to next week when I get to hear the order you put them in then, because your, your two, three, and four seem in similar succession, so it'll be interesting. They are. They are, but not. They I are, know. but not. I know. <laughs> Alexander Chad, what about you? In an overall uh, sort of sense, I feel like this is a really, well, a, re- a really solid and good film, but it came out at the wrong time to have 
sort of the success that that I think it actually deserves. I actually think I really enjoy this. I think this is probably the best acted of the films. You know, I think other than really hammy deputy, I think everyone else really grounds it, really makes the characters believable. Although at the same time, uh, new Randy is a bit sort of video game kind of character, but I think Dewey's way more grounded and, and likable and believable. Yeah. Hayden Panettiere is, is great. Just super solid. Yeah. And almost kind of steals the show a bit in her performance from, from Nev Campbell and Emma Roberts, who you could say is the lead. But the thing that really strikes me about this, and, and it's I said it in the last one, I'd love to see this film go in a direction kind of like Curse of Chucky, where it, it takes out the goofiness and becomes a bit darker in tone, maybe sort of reboots the series. In this, it doesn't quite reboot it. You can sort of see the steps that they're taking to perhaps set it up as a new trilogy, but it definitely, it definitely reigns in any kind of goofiness and makes it darker and sort of more violent and more real, which for me, yeah, puts up, raises the stakes, builds the tension, and yeah, does make it much scarier than um, the other films. I think Ghostface is just, yeah, not goofy and clumsy. He's just really physically imposing. I actually liked the sort of desperation in his calls even before I knew the twist. I liked the sort of, because for me it was just kind of, it was something just gross and yeah, disgusting about it. Like the, 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 this person's just sort of like bloodthirsty and, and desperate. Yeah, I really, really, en- I, I really enjoyed it. Even at the end, sort of feeling slightly def- like uh, I loved the twist, but I just, like I said before, it kind of broke the the sense of like, oh, Ghostface is this really physically imposing thing. But at the same time, I liked it. Yeah, and it's it's right up there for me. And you know, it it obviously doesn't have if the first one's still so important. I feel culturally, and and I don't think any of these films are going to surpass that. But this is a really really solid film, really enjoyable. I loved the tone. Yeah, I loved I loved the kind of. I think they mentioned it. What does he meant? One of the characters mentioned in the film, like some slasher film, where it's like from the perspective of the killer, peeping tom. Yeah. So I, and I like that twist here, where that we have the victim, and the twist is is that the victim is the killer. And I would have loved to have seen how that played out if they had ended it, yeah, with Emma Roberts going out with these flashing lights. If they had ended it there, maybe not with the bit where you said Dewey yells out something off screen, but to see like where they take that, do they take the next like because that would have been cool taking the next yeah, story. Yeah, really would have been where cool. it's like from her perspective, she's got this fame that she wants. Is she still Ghostface? Does another crazed fan Ghostface come and attack her? Or does someone know the oh, truth about what cool. she did? Like, does someone know the truth about what she did and then goes after revenge against her? Like, that yeah. would have been fucking cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, they could have done so much if they did that ending. But yeah, it's like, you know, I think there's a solid film here. But for me, and and it's not a criticism, I think... Because I, I really enjoyed it and I think it's a solid film, but I think it just came out at the wrong time. I think there was this transition of, of sort of horror genres and styles and what people wanted. And there had been such a long gap that, that new audiences probably had no connection to Scream. People like myself who didn't see Scream 3 probably felt too disconnected to, to this new film. So I think there were factors working against it, which maybe I think 
really halted that momentum, which is a shame because I think this is this was a real pleasant surprise for me. I really, really liked it. I really, really liked it. Yeah, I feel pretty much the same way as you. I mean, it's frustrating the timing of this movie because I feel like this movie was just made for me. You know, it's one of those films (laughs) where it's like, obviously, this isn't going to make loads of money. Like, Scream isn't as relevant in 2011. The commentary, like we said, is a little grumpier than it used to be. There's definitely some point to jab. Some things seem out of date and cheesy, like your dad wrote it or, you know, whatever, someone out of touch has written it. Other things are hitting home, but they seem a little bit snide, you know? And it doesn't all work yet. There are these bits of script in there that really just jar me. Some really goofy moments here and there, but nothing that's more goofy with any, than anything in Scream 3. But I think they stick out more because the rest of the film, yeah, is more serious. But I don't know what, I mean, I'm just, I was just so, I was so happy when it came out and I'm still so happy it exists. And I'm always surprised how many people don't like this movie and really hate it because I'm just like, well, it is like, it is just another Scream movie. Like it really is. I think more than any movie I've ever seen, like go away for that long and then come back this feels exactly like another screen movie. Like all of the elements. And I'm just really impressed that Wes Craven at 72 could still direct the same way and actually with a bit more intensity, I think, than he did when he was in his 60s. I just really, really enjoy it. And I completely get why they didn't make more. I agree with you completely, Alex. That's the ending I want to see. I want to see, yeah, it cut off there. And I'd love to see something like that. I think that'd be brilliant. Like her enjoying her fame, but then, yeah, the killing start again and someone knows what she did and then have it tie up in like, you know, some integral way that's sure retroactive and stupid probably, but whatever. And I'm very frustrated that we didn't get more and I don't think we'll ever get more. I think when we do, it'll be a reboot. But yeah, I just, I just, yeah, it made me frustrated. I was like, if more people had gone to see that movie, then we could have had some cool resurgences of some cool 90s things. As it is, we've meant to still be getting the I Know What You Did Last Summer remake, which they've been trying to get going for ages. And you know, like I know exactly how those films are gonna feel. And it's fun having something come back that's sure, it might be goofier, it might feel a bit old hat, but it still has some charm in there. And so many of these remakes are just lacking that charm. You know, so many of that, again, like, it's kind of like the Trevor in this film. He's a better actor, but he doesn't have the fun that that Billy Loomis has in the Mm -hmm. first one. And I miss that in a lot of modern remakes. So I just really enjoy that this film had the opportunity to do something i think very rare which is bring back all those people even the dp and yeah the composer like that's kind of crazy and they could all kind of do a big family reunion and it is the most brutal like i really do think this movie overall sure there's nothing in here as brutal as that opening scene really i don't think uh in the first scream but this film makes me wince more than any of the other ones Mm-hmm. and like yeah like Christina's saying it leaves you feeling a little bit creepy maybe not because of that last scene but because of the rest of the movie and that's what I've wanted from these screen movies I've wanted them to get creepier and I'm happy Wes Craven while I know he was frustrated he didn't get to work with Kevin all the way through the production he at least got to put in some of that gore some of those scares that he wanted to get back in there and you're absolutely right Alex calling back to some of his earlier Nightmare on Elm Street content which I hadn't picked up on uh, but yeah totally he's kind of draw- joining the dots um, and this was his last feature film and I think it's kind of lovely that that got to be his last feature film. And sort of, yeah, yeah, rounding off a franchise with nods to his original franchise that got him so famous. So yeah, I really enjoy Scream 4. I think I'm in a minority, but it's for people like me and maybe like us who were alive in the 90s and enjoyed that first Scream movie. And Well, now you've got, uh, you've got two more people in your Scream 4 club by the sounds of it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's Are you been... guys thinking what I'm thinking? Stabathon. <laughs> I want the stab movie so badly. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I'm really sad to see this go. I'm really sad like uh to not get to watch more screen movies with you guys. I'm you know, 
happy next week we get to do our little wrap up and tidy up all those loose ends and get into our list and stuff which is always fun but I wish I had I really really wish I had a Scream 5 and 6 to watch that's what I really wish and I'm sad I know I don't. it is kind of sad it is sad I would like to see more I would if uh, hopefully maybe they'll come out with one yeah I mean it could happen I'd never say never and then we could all go together and, and see it for sure. Yeah, it's interesting, sure. you know, often with these horror franchises, you can get to a point or get to a certain film in the list and just be like, I'm done. I'm so tired. And I feel mm-hmm. after watching this, I'm like, I would keep watching these. At this yeah. point in time, I would keep watching these for sure. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, definitely. They are, I mean, I've heard people call them the soap operas of slasher movies and they kind of are. Yeah. You know? And I'm well, fine with that. I, I'm not mad at it. Nah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll talk about, I mean, technically, we want more Scream, people. It is out there, the Scream TV show, and I'll talk about that probably next week. People, a lot of people really, really like that show. And it definitely ties into this film. Until then, please head on over to weirdgeeks.com, weirdgeeks.com, where you can branch on out to all of our social medias. And also, you can email us through there, or just type in mail at weirdgeeks.com, mail at weirdgeeks.com. Tell us what franchises you want us to cover. Uh, Tell us that we're stupid and the Scream movies suck. I've got a story about that. Then I'm going to tell next week someone I met who's a huge horror fan just a few days ago who uh, sort of stopped talking to me as I was talking about the Scream movies because didn't even see them as important to the horror history. Wow. Uh, is this person, was this person already a friend? Or is it like a Sort of a friend of a friend. Friend of a friend, right. friend, of a friend. I thought I'd really upset them, but yeah, we'll get to that. Remind me next week because I do want to tell that story. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're on WeirdGeeks.com, why not hit the little black button? You can head on out to We Are Tessellate, our production company. run out of London, LA, and Tokyo. We're making feature films. We're making music videos, short films. We're going to be making some video game apps and other fun stuff, as well as albums. And we've just finished making our first feature film called Starfish. And we talk about that sometimes on our podcast, which now is a sort of once-a-month one. Um, we're going to do another one of those pretty soon. And we're going to talk, yeah, about the film Starfish and what it's like to make independent movies, how tough it is, as well as video games and topical movie stuff. You can uh, learn more about our lives and stuff by going to our own personal social medias. Head on over to Mr. Al White for me on Twitter and Instagram and the Xbox. M-I-A-L-W-H-I-T-E. Yep, you can Alex. find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter, Alexander Chard. M-R-A-L-W-H-I-T-E. And Christina? I am at underscore hi Christina on Twitter and Instagram, but like... I don't know. I'm like not on either. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatevs. Uh, really, thank you for joining us. And really, really, if you are kind enough to listen to this podcast, please just extend that kindness for 30 seconds. Go on iTunes, type in We Are Geek, subscribe and rate because it makes all the difference for us. We will see you next week. Our next episode will not be on Friday. Our next episode will actually be on Monday the 13th. Hello. So, yeah, normally we would, this would be a Friday episode, but you're getting a free one, although they're all free. So <laughs> you're being bothered by us even more, I guess. Uh, our scheduling wouldn't allow us to quite do that, so I'm cramming in the wrap-up. You're going to get that as an extra episode that week. And on next Friday, we're going to be starting our next podcast franchise, which I'm very excited about because it's the reason I started this. And Scream has been the perfect warm-up for, because as we've talked about in every episode, Kevin Williamson keeps writing stuff in from the original Halloween. That's his favorite horror film. Bob Weinstein's favorite horror film. We're going to be covering Halloween, all of the movies. That's Ooh. Halloween 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, H2O is number 7, Halloween 8. And then we get into those Rob Zombie remakes with 
guess Halloween 9 and 10, Rob Zombie Part 1 and 2. And then Halloween 11, which is going to be the brand new Halloween film coming out this October. The whole Our whole podcast will be geared up to a schedule right in line with that. So we'll be covering that film the week it comes out. What wonderful uh, geeks crew will be joining you for those, Al? Thank you, Alex, for asking. <laughs> we are going to break with the norm in our very first for the Weird Geeks. We are going to be allowing four people onto the oh, podcast. my God. I know, right? Uh, it never happens, but it's a special. It's going to be our 10th season of Weird Geeks Horror Show, and we wanted to do something special. Uh, so, yep, it's going to be myself, of course. Uh, we're going to be joined by Katie Watson, who has seen Watson. some of Halloween, but certainly not all of them. We're going to be joined by Alison Holland, re- re- returning, who has seen no Halloween films. And then the Justin Macaroni Maraconda. Justin! <laughs> who I don't even know if he's seen any Halloween films. So we've got some people who know a bit, some people who know nothing. And for me, it was what got me into slasher movies. So I know a lot about Halloween. Very excited to talk about it. I am going to come over and watch the first one with you. And then I'm going yes. to watch the latest release. And nothing in between. I want to see the latest <laughs> one too with you. We can, all go see, we can all go see the new one together. Okay. Sounds fun. Not to spoil my list at the end of Halloween, but Alex, I'd recommend you watch at least one other from there, but we'll talk about it privately. H2O? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> you can have a trifecta of films. Excellent. So yes, we'll be back on Monday with the wrap-up for this, and we'll be back on Friday with the first episode of Halloween. Until then, we are out. Geeks. Geeks. Geeks.